Welcome back to Lyme Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's guest is the great and powerful Mark Bell. Mark is, he's been a friend for the last seven years or so. He's someone that I admire and respect very deeply. Uh, he is one of the most renowned powerlifters on the planet. He has squatted 1,080 pounds. He has bench pressed 854 pounds, I think, unless I am unless I have that miswritten. Yeah, 854. He has also competed in bodybuilding competitions. He's taken his body through a complete transformation since his powerlifting career. Uh, he's the owner of Slingshot, which if you've ever seen people wearing the hip bands around their hips there's a good chance i guess that's a little redundant uh, there's a good chance that it was you saw the slingshot logo on there um, he is a really brilliant impressive man i'm very grateful to get to call him a friend i'm grateful to get to share this conversation with you guys this goes deep into a few topics i wouldn't expect to go into we get into psychedelics uh, we get into a lot about around consciousness and such uh, and then we get into some specifics around powerlifting and weightlifting uh, how to do it better and uh, things of the like you think you guys are going to absolutely dig this conversation i'm so grateful i get to have him on here we had a lot of laughs as well which is always good and uh, thank you so much for subscribing so you get each week's episode and also be sure to subscribe to the Align Podcast YouTube page so you can catch the video version of this. Uh, also, you might enjoy jumping over to the Align Podcast Instagram page because there is some absolutely obscene, ridiculous video stuff that I did with Mark that involves him floating above the ground on my feet, and um, it was just a whole scene. So hope you guys enjoy that. Check it all out, and I uh, appreciate you being here. Let's get to it with my guy, Mark Bell. When you got rich, did you have people treating you different? You had people like hitting you up. Can I call? Yeah. Can I call you rich? Is that weird? Yeah. No, no. You can you can call me whatever you'd like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have obtained uh, some wealth, and it actually has helped me a lot in my life because um, making money is badass for one. Yep. But uh, financial freedom is a really beautiful thing. I think that uh, a lot of times people are. Uh, paralyzed by the things that they don't have and when you have money you can buy stuff that you think that you need and then it's kind of a nice process of finding out that you never really needed it in the first place yeah but i think the same thing goes for any journey that someone goes on you start to go down uh, a journey of self-development you start to look into philosophy you start to learn about you know stoicism or you start to listen to alan watts and you start to creep down some of these rabbit holes and you start to realize that you had it the whole time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what is a psychedelic experience? It, it seems like it's almost always that way. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, it's reflective, right? It's like a mirror. Whereas alcohol, alcohol seems like I love alcohol. Um, it seems like a really nice pause though on your life. Like I, I'm just gonna, I don't want to deal with Aaron and his bullshit and the stress because he, you know, I work for him and he, yeah. you know, is always right. up my ass. It's always talking about my jock itch. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> Anti-chafing powder. Yeah. It's the whole thing. It stresses me out <laughs> and I get to drink beer and just not think about it or just not think about my own um, uh, flaws or my own area, my own shortcomings. Right. And then um, I do think that when you do a psychedelic especially mushrooms or like LSD, uh, it kind of looks at you and like stares at you with like really wide eyes. It's like, hmm? yeah. like, oh, you don't know what the answer is? 
the answer is right in front of you. It's, it's I, didn't, you. I didn't realize that you have, have you tinkered much with, with psychedelics? I have. Oh, wow. I didn't know. That's not a path I would have gone down. I'm on them right now, bro. Bro. Test me. <laughs> what, what, no, I'm psil- just kidding. Psil- I'm not, psil- I'm not psil- anything. LSD? Has, have you had any like meaningful kind of moments with, with... I really enjoy talking about psychedelics with people that you wouldn't expect to talk about psychedelics with, particularly when you have people like yourself that have objectively reached like the linear structural world's peak. Like mm-hmm. I hold the world's record for, what was it? Bench press was the thing. I did an 854 pound bench press, 1,080 squat. Yeah. yeah. And like you, and you have reached the, the peak from success from a financial perspective, I mean, you know, whatever the peak, there's probably lots of different versions of the peak, but you know, from family success, from, you know, you're a leader in, in mm-hmm. various different, like you're all of those things. Right. I think those are the voices that it's really special to hear about their experiences with such like fringe type subjects, like such as psychedelics. Because we think it's weird and we think that, um, like only the, only like the weird guy does it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The dropout. But I think that, um, the cat's out of the bag, you know, the cat is out of the bag and more and more people are, um, for better or for worse, more and more people are getting into, uh, psychedelics and, and trying them out. And, you know, I think, uh, you have to always consider like, these are drugs, you know, and you have to be cautious with drugs, but, at the same time, I think if you start with, I think I think if you take a drug as if you're like a scientist or you're like the person that created the drug, uh, usually what they'll do is they start out taking a tiny, tiny dose. Yeah. And I've had people take, uh, you know, I've taken mushrooms with other people and stuff like that. And I've had them say, I didn't feel anything. And I say, amen to that. That's awesome. That's great. That's a great place to start. I'm glad you didn't have like a bad, nothing bad happened. Right. You felt good. You didn't have anxiety. It could have been like a homeopathic type effect in a way. It's like, oh, it's like yeah, your system was introduced to this. Yeah. Next time you take it, maybe substance. you, maybe you don't triple it. Next time you take it, you just take a smidge more and, uh, and see, you know, where that takes you. But for me personally, uh, you know, my brother was encouraging me to give them a try and, I never really knew why. Uh, same thing with Kratom. My brother was always pushing Kratom on me. <laughs> and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But um, I, I know that everyone has, maybe it's not even everyone. I know that a lot of people have traumas in their life. A lot of people have things. Um, maybe they're, maybe some of the traumas are even like blind spots that you're like not really truly aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel pretty damn good. So I'm like, why would I even really try? Like, what's, uh, I don't know if there's anything bad for me to learn, you know? Like, cause it seems like that's a lot of people's experience that, um, they, they learn something new about themselves that, uh, maybe they're like mistreating people, you know? But for me, I'm like, I don't mistreat anybody, you know? Like I'm pretty good to everybody. I'm, I think I, you know, there are, I do have definitely some weak spots. I can have a difficult time sometimes being uh, direct with people because I am concerned about, like, I don't want to, yeah, I'm worried about how they're going to feel about a particular thing that I might say the wrong way. You're a paradox in that way because you seem like someone, you kind of remind me in some ways, uh, like Laird Hamilton, which I'm sure you guys have, have you guys ever? I have not met Laird Hamilton, but I'm dying to meet him. All right. Well, he's, he has a, a similar way as you 
a bit where when you meet him, he kind of almost seems like I, I, we talked, uh, I, I referenced this to him in the last podcast that we did, but the first time meeting him, walking up to him, he seems almost like a shark, like actually like the <laughs> embodiment of a land shark and just like the piercing look that he has and just like his over and just like, you know, the legacy behind him, you, you, you kind of project these stories upon him as well. But he has this really, this, this energy about or way about him. That's just like, whoa, like you could. It's a guy that gets shit done. Yeah. Like you could do some damage. And then you talk with him and he's like, just like this, super sweet mm. teddy bear loves <laughs> right. loves his daughters just wants everyone to feel happy like the best host in the world getting everybody coffee you want some more coffee you want some coffee just like very sensitive to how everyone is feeling <laughs> yeah, right it's very interesting you have a kind of a similar way yeah it's like a, it's an interesting quality it's cool all, it's a really cool quality all the way to the point where i'll just like split from places like i'll just leave because i don't know really what to say and so i just like take off and then people are like where did he go Mm. <laughs> like, avoidant behavior or or like why did he leave or even if i see if i see somebody i know in the grocery store i'm going the other way why i don't want to talk to them i don't want <laughs> they're going to ask me questions and and i don't have any answers you know they'll be like hey what'd you do today and i'll be like oh i'll go with aaron alexander <laughs> and, who's that and he worked on my feet you yeah. know like i don't know it's just weird you know i, I don't know i just small talk it's it's baby talk Fucking you know baby talk. it's baby talk and uh i'm just I don't know. I just uh, you had to eat some mushrooms and peer into each other's. Yeah, Kundalini's. yeah, yeah. I you know I need. To, I think. Um, I I think I just have almost like a little anxiety in certain situations, like like that. You know where I'm like, oh man, like I I just uh, they're gonna ask me a bunch of questions I don't have answers to. You know, something that I've heard you say that I thought was interesting and something that could be fascinating for people to kind of explore. And I'd be curious of the the authenticity of this. As you've said, uh, we went out to dinner last last night with with Chris Williamson, uh, who's name drop. Yeah, wow, and he's not a name drop. He's like one of my closest buds. It's a name Dave drop right. at this point. He's getting really successful. That happened in a span of like eight months. Very impressed with yep. with what took. Now place we're name Chris. dropping though. We have to. Recognize. I know, but does it really count if it's like if it's that fast? He's Your like, friend he's still is this old buddy Chris. No, your friend is famous. <laughs> That's true. You're a name dropper. <laughs> That's true. So we're, so we're out with name dropping Chris, Chris Williamson last night. And uh, I was listening to your podcast with him in preparation for this conversation. And one of the things in there that I think that he referenced from somewhere is that you said something along the lines of like, I, I, I don't have any bad days. Mm. Or you haven't had one for a long time. What does that, what does that mean exactly? Um, I guess it means what it is. It, it's, uh, you know, every day I feel like it's just a wonderful opportunity. Like in my opinion, there's, there's a, there's always alternatives. There's always options. There's an option to be mad. There's an option to be sad. There's an option to be lonely. <laughs> Tell me about it. There's an, op there's an option and there's always an option to love. And I think that, um, more people, uh, maybe just need to be aware of that. Maybe they, maybe they, uh, maybe they don't feel loved. And so it's hard to like love back or maybe they have it didn't grow up. Uh, I had amazing parents and uh, they, they gave me everything I needed. And as I got older and as I explored myself and got to be successful in certain things uh, and made money and bought a lot of things again, back to that kind of realization, like I didn't really need anything. I already had it already. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, think about like, what does a young kid need? 
you know, what do they really need? They need a hug. They need some encouragement. Uh, they need to know someone's there. They need to know someone loves them. They need to know that the safest phone call they can make and the most amount of trouble that they'll, they'll ever be in, that they should feel like, oh, shit, I need to call mom. Mm. Or, oh, shit, I need to call dad. Mm-hmm. Rather than like, man, I'm not going to tell him about this because this is going to be rough, you know? Mm. Luckily for me, I didn't grow up with that. My parents just always said, like, your only responsibility is just to communicate with us. Like, and we don't care what it is. And, and we, uh, you kind of have our word that we're not going to get, like, really pissed at you. We're not going to punch you. We're not going to do this to you or do that to you. Um, you may get grounded or something, you know, it might be a punishment if you did something wrong. We'll have to, you know, talk about it. But uh, it was always uh, more open than that. And so I think, you know, from those, from that early stage of not having any, there's no anxiety at home. There's no real reason to stress for me anyway. Um, although there was a lot of stuff going on in my household because I believe almost every family goes through something. My oldest brother being bipolar and drug dependent, I saw a lot of crazy stuff with him. Um, and I think that was helpful too. Like, oh, that's a way that you, and maybe he didn't have a choice because of his mental health. Uh, but I saw that. I saw him get arrested. He got arrested in front of our whole family. I've seen him beat up a bunch of people <laughs> before. I've seen him be like real violent, angry. Um, and my thought on some of that has always been like, how mad are you really going to get? You know, um, somebody in the gym here, uh, steals your, uh, steals your bag and they, and they, they put it in their car and you're like, Oh my God, they must've mistaken. Maybe my bag looks to say, Hey man, like, uh, that's my bag. And they're like, fuck you. And now you have like a decision to make, like <clears throat> what's the stuff worth, uh, that the guy's taking, um, that's wrong, right? Like for someone to steal something of yours. I had all my prostate tools in there. <laughs> yeah, all your butt plugs, I mean, your <laughs> vibrators. Yeah. They're all vibrating and everything in there. In the back of the like car. A security device. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you hear something vibrating? There's someone some- stealing my bag. <laughs> yeah, something's going on, right? Uh, you know, now you're you're faced with a, a decision, but like I don't know, like uh for me, like I, you know, I don't know even how I would handle that situation. I guess I'd be like, well, I'm like, on fucking bag. I mean, I would, I would tell the guy, Hey, that's mine. But if he, you know, chose to speed off, like how mad am I really going to get at this guy? Okay. Maybe, maybe I grab the bag and maybe we have a confrontation or something, but like how, just think about how mad are you going to get at the person that does something to you? The person that cuts you off on the freeway, the, uh, girlfriend that, uh, told you that, um, you know, not only is it over between you guys, but that you'll never be, you'll, you know, you're, you're, I'm you're a fucking, friend. you're, you're a mess, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. and you suck and I'm banging your friend. Yeah. That too. That would be, that's the tough one. That's happened. Right. Not to me. Oh, not that I know. Well, of. you're handsome. So I don't know. Uh, thanks. I'm attracted to you too. Wait. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> uh, podcast is over. <laughs> I'm aroused. <laughs> well, how could a person start to acquire some of those? Because that might be the like the secret key to the universe is having regulation uh, of one's perception of events. I know that's kind of like a douchey way of saying it, but like I think that was correct. Well, what's helpful, you know? Again, like how, like how mad 
are you going to be and for how long? Mm-hmm. Um, my kids, we, we joke, uh, my daughter's 15, my son's 19. And um, we just make up these stupid scenarios sometimes. But uh, my daughter thinks it'd be funny just to like inappropriately, this is all made up. Like we were not actually doing this, but just to inappropriately be over the top so mad uh, at somebody like we were at Target one time. Actually, I, I go to Target. Target. We're at, we're at Target one time. Yeah. Name drop. And somebody, <laughs> it is a name drop. And, and I'm lying too. You guys know I was at Walmart, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm at Walmart. Less of a name drop. Somebody's, uh, some, somebody's pushing their cart and their cart has this squeaky wheel. That's very loud. Yeah. And this lady's completely oblivious to it. And my daughter's like, Imagine if you just were like, fuck you, yeah, you know, and you just grabbed your cart and flipped it over. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like that would be like, first of all, that'd be hilarious if it was a skit. Sure. But also it, it's completely irrational. So I like to try to look at stuff like that. Like how long are you going to hold a grudge for? Yeah. I mean, a grudge is really something that's just, I, I think, more weight for you to carry around. It absolutely is. Than it is like the other person might not even know that you have one. Yeah. But there's <laughs> some, there's some like adaptive value for a person to hold on to a grudge, even if it's the point of pushing them into, um, you know, I don't know. I think there could be argument that, that autoimmune disease, and I'm not going to get it because I'm not a doctor, you know, whatever, but I've had people that are doctors and are very, have a lot of depth in the realm of things like autoimmune conditions and mm. potential associations to like anger and emotional associations, things of the sort. I don't know about it. Um, but I think there is an interesting correlation of our emotional state and the actual physiological effects that our emotional states have production of different hormones and Mm. chemicals and things of the sort. So you hold on to an emotion and it actually has an objective effect on our state. And we have an attachment to holding on to certain emotions, even though they, we can objectively observe that they're making us feel sick. It might not, might not, might not serve you. It doesn't in a seem like it's way. serving you, but in order for you to be engaging in that behavior, it has to be serving something, right? Or you wouldn't do it. So like, what is that anger or that resentment that you just refuse to let go, even though it's actually objectively making you feel sick? Yeah. Like, what is that? What is it serving? Because you can't, it's, it's hard sometimes for some people, myself included, to like logic our way out of reactive behavior. Yeah, Andrew Huberman points this out, name drop, all the time when he says uh, it's very hard to heal the mind with the mind, you know. So uh, sometimes the healing of the mind, um, you need to go like on the physical side or you need to have like a different experience or you need to communicate with somebody. It's kind of hard with your own mind to even see some of these blind spots. But uh, perspective and perception um, is everything. You know, we... You have certain perspective on something, uh, and I think that the reason why we may hold a grudge, or the reason why, the reason why we feel that thing is serving us, I do think that there's something about a particular individual that actually somewhere in their body they somewhere enjoy that. Yeah, there's something. Yeah, there's some some sort of like. Uh, Okay, things are going real smooth. This is like, this is the perf. I created the perfect uh, soup. I created the perfect stew. 
and now you just boom, you just overspiced it and you fucked it up, and now you're shitting your pants. Yeah. Or, or if, <laughs> you, you, if you if you're not accustomed going back to like the, like, the, and I want to talk about weightlifting and like gains and reps, sets and things of that. Sorry, actually, really, I actually am really and, and steroids. I'm actually really excited about talking about all that. Um, but you know, continuing a little bit more into this, I think that the um, Oh crap! I had an idea when I was talking about. Now I got all wrapped up on steroids and, and gains. Steroids are great. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got wrapped up on it. Crap! But we we're talking about. I had a lane. I was in a lane, Mark. You weren't going anywhere. <laughs> it was not a big deal. I'll take it from here. Uh, we were talking about perception, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it will dawn on you in about five seconds what yeah. it was. But it's going to come in. I think that um, you know, if you. Again, like you don't have to attach an emotion to every single thing that you do. Um, you may feel an emotion from hearing uh, that the Jets lost again, <laughs> which won't happen this year. Nope, not happening. But they smashed the Panthers in the last preseason oh, game, twenty-seven zero. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. Shutout. Yeah, shutout. Damn, I think Jets. it's a hockey term. Mm. Is shutout in football too? Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. it happens everywhere. Oh, I like that. Yeah, across the board. You can have a shutout. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you learn something new every day. Dude, I'm here to learn. Uh, but you don't have to attach an emotion to these things. You might kind of feel an emotion, but I think that if you start to audit yourself and you start to pay attention to, uh, start to pay attention to the various things that you're doing, you start to ask yourself questions on why do I think this way? Um, why, why do I always get into a fight with my mother? You know, when she calls, it's like, I don't know, we go back and forth a little bit, and then the next thing you know, I'm, like, fighting with her. Like, like why does that happen? That was what I was going to say. Thank you. See, there you go. Yeah, so that's, and then and then we will get into steroids. But so, but what we're trying, oh, shit, I forgot again. No, I'm just joking. What we're, what, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, I believe, uh, and this is, like, you know, again, mirroring things, people like Gabor Mate and Bessel. Childhood trauma. All the different things. We're trying to mirror what we're accustomed to. Right. And so if you grow up in an environment that's inherently deeply unstable and chaotic, and then you suddenly start transitioning your life into something that feels a little bit more stable, there may be actually this subconscious operating system that's saying like, this is kind of uncomfortable. I need to light something on fire. Mm. And so I think that that's where things like, a, you know, whatever therapy or psychedelics or whatever, whatever gets you to open up and right. get into the subconscious, you know, hypnosis, whatever the thing is. And you start to go through and realize that you that one actually does have the capacity to go in and start to kind of retool and engineer their subconscious experience, mm. which is you know the majority, the bulk of the iceberg of the like the human psychological experience is 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 that subterranean portion or the portion you know below the surface, mm. you know, and then there's a the little peak of the iceberg that's right. that's like the conscious mind and what we think we're we're doing here. Uh, but underneath that, I think a lot of that's tied to just what you um, are accustomed to being as you know normal as you grow up. And so, if a person is, it's like a person that wins the lottery, you know, and they they lose all their money. They go back to that baseline within right. like two years or whatever, because we're always kind of seeking what we've kind of set as our homeostasis. And so, for a person to be able to set their their thermostat of perception to actually, I prefer chill. Like I, I prefer homeostasis. Mm. I prefer balance. I prefer compassion. I prefer seeing the world through like that lens. To be able to bring a person back to that place is very powerful. But if you were to look around, it's just like trolling on the internet, for example. It's like people like to kind of shake things up right. a little bit because if not, they I think we get like bored or something. Well, and you can look at those comments, you know, from the haters and stuff, and 
you have a choice. You can like laugh at them. You could joke with them. Yeah. They can make a negative comment and you could say, you know, part, part of, uh, some of what the Stoics believed. I think it was a quote from Marcus Aurelius who is probably a piece of shit by the way, cause his son sucked. So mm-hmm. we got to bring that up. Like his, he yep. maybe wasn't a very good dad. Right. But anyway, he had a cool quote. So <laughs> yeah. we'll just roll Res- with it. Respect the quote. But basically he, uh, I forgot what I said. <laughs> See what you did to me? Can we talk about steroids? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I want to finish what I was saying right, earlier fine. about psychedelics, and I'll get back to Marcus Release. So right. that would pop in my then head going, Then we're going straight into, straight into steroids. Straight into steroids. Yeah. Um, just real briefly on psychedelics, um, they just showed me and revealed to me just uh, that my life is, is awesome. You know, and I, and I, I feel that I feel good about my life. Um, I feel good about my wife, but it just magnified that. I just like sitting on a beach. I had, uh, some mushrooms and I just, I dug out a little butthole for myself, you know, a little hole for the butt. Oh, nice. You know what I'm talking about? Good for the, good for the, for the, the front side too. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I dug that out and I just like, yeah. Dig yourself a little like satchel. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Container. Yeah, that way you don't have to like move it up or down it's to the side bad. or whatever. You got like a little pouch there. Not bad. I usually compensate, do like an extra big one. Oh, and you then know, people, so people see the see stamp there and they're yeah. like, whoa. You're like, wow. Leave a little mushroom tip. Oh, wow. I, uh, <laughs> so I'm just sitting there like watching the waves come through and, and you know, the waves uh, not only have sound, but the waves have colors and shit because I'm high. <laughs> yeah, sure. But um, yeah, I was just thinking like, and I'm, I'm with such an amazing woman. Like I got so, I feel so fortunate. I feel so lucky. Um, she's somebody that I, uh, she's somebody that I probably pushed too many responsibilities off onto. Mm. And it made me kind of think more. I'm like, shit, man, I need to, she's real. She's an amazing partner. And I'm like, man, I, I, I need, she is so awesome. I better step my shit up. Yeah. You know, I need to clean up after myself more. I need to not be such a pig. I need to, you know, so it just made me, uh, aware of, Hey, look, the life that you have is great. You need to be probably, you know, don't be a dickhead, be more appreciative. Like make sure people know, make sure people know that you appreciate them. Make sure the people that are in your life, um, if you were to die right now, make sure they know that you love them. Make sure you know, you appreciate them. Mm -hmm. So every night, uh, when I, when I go to bed, before I go to bed, I say goodnight to my daughter. I tell her that I love her. My son is 19. He should be out of the house, but he still lives with us. A long story. We're working on it. I'll have to beat his ass and then kick him. I don't even know if I could anymore. I think been public lifting. shame on this podcast is the move. Is going to be the move. I think that. I think no, we just we actually, take this out as a clip. We've actually never even had a conversation with him about moving in. <laughs> oh, here we are. So this will all be a shock <laughs> to him. He'll be like, I need to move out. Fuck. Uh, but every night I tell both of them, I love them and it doesn't matter what they say back or if they didn't say anything, you know, because they, um, at certain ages, it's not as cool to, you know, kiss mom or dad or to tell them that you love them or whatever. But I made a decision and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to tell them every time. And at some point when they're 30 or 40 or when they, uh, sometime, maybe at some point when they have their own children, maybe they'll be like, dad did that every fucking night Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i think though i think at some point 
that shit will hopefully those two dumb bastards hopefully they understand you know what i've been what i've been trying to do that's like for all i think years. that's i think that's probably the the one of the the longest levers to human evolution is like actively taking taking an active role with you know if you have kids your kids but you know you could say anyone in your life really exposure to you know i think two lanes one with your kids, that experience, like you forever are imprinting their relationship or the way that they relate to the opposite sex and relationships, mm. their own children, their work, their internal world. Like you forever are having a deep imprint on that, which is really beautiful. And the imprint that a person's actually really always having, I believe, is that subconscious aspect of themselves is really what's kind of infusing through. It's not what you say. It's, it's actually like what's behind the words that you're saying. What's mm. the energy? What's the intonation? What's the tone? You know, what's like the body language? What's like the, like the, the authentic. Mm. Um, I just remember what Marcus really said. Yeah. What do you say? He said, take steroids and fuck everybody else. Bro, that's the life. Right? Wolf of Wall Street shit. Oh, bro. maybe that wasn't him. <laughs> Marcus really said that like when somebody makes a negative comment about you, your character or whatever. Punch him in the throat. You just say, they probably only made fun of that because they don't know of all the other flaws that I have. Nice. Which I think is wonderful because it's like, nice. yeah, it's like man, got away. we're all pretty flawed, yeah. right? Yeah. And the, they only yeah. pointed out the one obvious one. Yeah, we're all we're all in glass houses. Yeah, except for the two individuals on this podcast. No, bro, right? I'm clean. I'm yeah, legit. Good. No, I, th I think about that quite regularly. The, the nicest people, I think, oftentimes are like the ex-convicts mm. or the convict convicts or whatever. What, what do you mean by that? Because they've 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 had their hand oh. called out. They're like, yeah, like I'm legit, or like like you go to an AA meeting or something, and everyone's like, no, like I'm, I'm a legit loser. Mm. Like I've like I I ruined ev everything in my life is rubble. Like I've gone, I'm like down into the dirt. Like Jesus, take the wheel. You know, there's no more shreds of ego, kind of. Which there, maybe perhaps there could be ego some somewhere wrapped up in there somewhere. Um, but being around people like that. Uh, the amount of kindness and compassion and like under like deep understanding that they have mm. for everyone else because they're not living atop inside you know atop of some castle like looking down at all the plebeians right. they're like no like like I mean that's I mean it's kind of like the story of Jesus like Jesus is like this broke carpenter mm. you know that that healed people with his hands you know like like that, that's that type of energy I think comes from a person that's actually like been brought to their knees mm. and is actually a really beautiful thing. I think it's someone that hasn't had that experience of, of figuratively being brought to their knees, whatever right. that means to the individual. Uh, it does something uh, for like the one's capacity for compassion, I think, you know, and suddenly they, they look in the world with like a little bit more understanding. Both of my brothers um, and, and there's uh a, a nice a wonderful family history of like drug addiction yeah and uh it killed my oldest brother my brother mike and almost killed my brother chris and fortunately he is still uh he's still here with us today and uh he's working on another version of bigger stronger faster so props to him yeah i've known chris for uh since yeah. we've known you i've known him for years yeah longer than chris. you've known me yeah yeah he's sweetie he is we didn't we did podcast together many years ago seven years ago eight years yeah. ago or something anyway sweet sweet human being bigger but, stronger faster director both of my brothers, um, I remember hearing them say like that they're in these meetings and stuff. And, and especially my brother, Mike, my brother, Mike's like, he's like, man, I'm nothing like some of these people. He's like, people are fucking losers, you know? And he would say, and I was like, yeah, but you're, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're right there alongside them. 
Yeah. Your story isn't as long yet as their story and you haven't worn out your welcome with everybody yet, Yeah, but you're getting there. And my brother Chris was the same way when he uh, went to rehab and stuff like that too. He was like, he's my nickname is smelly. So he's like smelly. He's like, these fucking people are losers. <laughs> yep. And uh, you know, he just didn't see it in himself uh, the same way. And it's, it's not to say that, I think it's important for everyone to understand that uh, everyone's everyone's like one banana peel away from being like really fucked up. Oh, bro, I th- that's what that's what with with the glass house thing. That's like when I see a like a schizophrenic person on the street mm. covered in rashes or you know something, just alone asking for food. Like I see myself. There's not there's like I, I see very like like look at that person, and it's not like. You know, I'm not like inviting them in my car or whatever. Like I could be a lot more Bob Marley esque, you know, and supportive and and right. you know, generous and all of that. Like I still have a membrane containment kind of separation there. Uh, but then there's another part of me, like a more vulnerable part of me, that's like, oh yeah, that's a banana peel away. You know, like uh, like uh, like like, t- yeah. like tread lightly with with pri- with your pride, sir. A severe injury. Um car accident oh yeah one knock on the head oh any of these things uh could leave you very vulnerable or susceptible to getting addicted to painkillers yep um and then i mean you've seen it happen where i i do think that uh you know it might not happen to everyone if 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 some people have a particular structure they might be able to catch themselves you know as they slipped on that banana peel they might say oh shit i got a wife and kids and i got to be careful with these prescribed painkillers i know about this and they they don't have a blind spot on it but for for a lot of people uh they're a banana peel away and not necessarily always just with drug addiction and not always necessarily just with um a lot of like real trauma or heartache but even just in terms of being able to control your own body weight Mm -hmm. um how many people are you know 10 20 years you know decade two decades three decades um, removed from any sort of athletic endeavor. They did it in high school or they did it when they were a kid. And now they're 45. They're my age they're 46. Um, and they you don't look a day over 47. Yes. <laughs> it's not funny. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't funny. that funny. <laughs> no, it wasn't that funny. I'm very mad <laughs> and I'm going to light your house. On fire. Try. That was a reach, but, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> steroids. We were talking about steroids. I want to take a moment and share something that has been invaluable to my own personal health care. That is getting my blood work done and checking my specific biomarkers with Life Force. They're incredible because they have at-home phlebotomists. They come to you, which that's one of the biggest pain in the butts for me is like going and getting my blood somewhere. I don't want to do that. And then shortly after that, you get your results back and you can see exactly what is happening with you in their very easy to use user interface. Then you set up a call. It's absolutely free or it's a part of the membership uh, to speak with one of their functional medicine doctors. Uh, The gal that I talked to was incredible. I asked her every question I possibly could and she had amazing answers for everything. Uh, And then they offer you suggestions based off of your specific blood work what is happening with you specifically which is so important i can't emphasize that enough Uh, and they go over lifestyle suggestions they go over nutritional suggestions then offer nutraceuticals as well as peptide therapy and hormone therapy if that is something that is supportive for you that is all stuff that you can talk to with them to see if that would be something that would make sense for you Uh, i would always go for the low-hanging fruit 
first, make sure that you are adjusting your lifestyle and your nutrition first. And then on top of that, there are some things that uh, sometimes it can be very supportive to start to supplement in an exogenous way. So these guys are fantastic. I've had an amazing experience. Their membership is just, it's something that's been invaluable in my life just to remove all of the guesswork from my nutrition as well as some lifestyle choices. Make sure my sleep is good. Make sure everything that I'm putting into my body is on point. And they're also measuring for optimization, not just average baseline. So I love these guys. I think they're invaluable. I think you guys will dig them and you can get $200 off of your membership by going to mylifeforce.com slash align. That's M-Y-L-I-F-E-F-O-R-C-E.com slash A-L-I-G-N. I implore anyone, get your blood work done, see what's happening with you, get a bird's eye view of your health, and then start moving from there. Mylifeforce.com slash align. You guys are going to dig them. So, all right, seamless segue. I appreciate getting into all that stuff because I think that's like the like really valuable. And you know, a bigger question that I have around fitness and all that, all those things, gains, you know, is like what moves us to go to the freaking gym in the first place? Mm. What, what is the point? You know, and so I think that that's where like the psycho-emotional and all, all like right. that stuff actually has so much value. And if you if you get under the the hood of why many people are going to the gym in the first place, a lot of times it's coming from a place of a lack of self-acceptance or even self-hatred or some for some iteration of something that's not quite like compassionate, mm. you know, towards the self. And it's seeking this. It's like this Sisyphus, you know, pushing this rock up up the hill, this endless journey into. Mm seeking self-love and validation that maybe you never got from whoever or whatever it is, but you never ultimately found that within yourself and you just, or I just historically have just kept on packing on muscle, packing on skills, packing on whatever the thing is, power, influence, money to feed into, to fill in the, 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 the space around this like insatiable void that we're holding within ourselves. That might be excessively, you know, existential and, you know, too much, but I think some people probably could resonate with something like that. And then, there's also the actual structural component of like, how do we do fitness? If we're going to be in the gym and we're going to go for some gains, uh, how do we do it well? And so my seamless segue transitioning into that portion of the conversation, we can bounce back to anything. Uh, when you go into a traditional gym, what are the top three things that you see that you feel like if that it would be supportive for culture if we changed that about the way that, that modern culture to 24 hour fitness is training. I think we're, I think we're in a, a really cool time period and probably each time period probably feels like they're in a cool time period. Yeah. But I think in terms of strength training, I think we're in one of the best time periods because I don't, I don't think we've done that good of a job with athletes just yet. I think we're getting there. And I think a lot of the ideas and principles and a lot of a lot of a lot of what strength coaches are doing with a lot of uh, high level athletes, um, we're starting to see that now trickle into uh, a twenty four hour fitness. You're now seeing yeah. people do things on one leg. You're now seeing people do things with one arm. You're now seeing people uh, doing move doing like more movement than it's just a bench. It's power of social media, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, more Everybody more than just access. a bench, more than just a squat, more than just a deadlift. And, you know, the biggest reason is because people are weak and they're pussies and they don't want to go through all the years and years of heartache that I did and all the suffering and sacrifices I've had to make 
to be able to push thousands of pounds. And so they make up these weird fucking exercises where they take a kettlebell and they twist it around and they flip it around. And they're like, oh, fucking Joel Seidman. It's fucking ridiculous. It's I'm so dumb. It, bro. It's worthless. I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> flustered. I'm completely fucking around. I, I think that uh, the exploration of human movement is just getting started. And yeah. I couldn't be more pumped about it. I think it's, I think it's exciting. Um, these exercises that we thought were just for pro athletes, we thought they were just for, or some people thought they were just for pro athletes. Maybe the, uh, you know, the rehab movement, you were like, that's just a rehabilitation movement. But anyone that's ever done a workout that's full of uh, a bunch of drills and full of uh, just kind of almost mobility stuff, maybe even almost calisthenics, start to blend like two or three of those things together and you have a workout that might potentially just kick your ass yeah and you'll be surprised at how good it makes you feel and it might not make you feel good at first and it might not make you feel better at first but just like anything in life everything takes time i think that we forget that uh, i mean maybe pizza and ice cream don't take time to get used to but everything else does uh the taste of alcohol the taste of coffee, like they taste fucking disgusting mm. when you first taste them. I mean, give them to a seven-year-old kid and see how they respond. They're going to like, like, oh my God, like you drink six beers, you know, every night is freaking disgusting. They're going to be appalled and shocked at how gross it is. So most things take some Chris, sort of, if Chris was here, I'd make some joke about like kissing a girl or feeling a girl's boob or something, mm. you know, the first time I think that was a tough, tough scenario for Chris. He's oh, not yeah. here, so there's no joke. Oh. If he was. If he was here. If he was. <laughs> there, was there was a space. <laughs> Something to be hard to do. Let's Gross, uh, icky. make a note to make an edit yeah. and then put Chris's face <laughs> in there. And then you could insert the joke <laughs> and it will probably still work. Yeah. It'll probably still work. It'll bring it back. I don't know. We were talking about steroids. Yeah, steroids. I don't know. Anyway, you know, just back to your original question on like, is there like these x amount of things or things that i see like at a commercial gym i haven't really been to a commercial gym in a very long time maybe exercises <laughs> that could die is there is there <clears throat> two to three exercises in the the mainstream zeitgeist of of human movement no exercises need to die Aaron. <laughs> all right jesus Feel christ bro I'm, I'm telling you i'm 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 worked up you're violent today. i'm ready to go bro <laughs> i haven't seen this side of you before <laughs> and i don't know if i like it we don't need to kill any exercises. <laughs> um, I'm actually, you know, when people talk about like functional movement, yeah. I'm like, what's a non-functional movement? Is there even such a thing? Yeah. I can't really think of one. Like yeah. if your body can do it, there's probably a reason for it. Uh, maybe those movements that you can do, maybe not all of them should be loaded with as heavy weight uh, as you can possibly handle. Maybe that would be a good idea. Um, but I, I don't think any exercises need to die. I do, th I do think that... Um, uh, maybe a rearranging of how you think about exercise needs to change mm. uh, or how you think about uh, a workout. A workout is, you know, you, you, you drive yourself to a location and you spend an hour and a half there and you are responsible for these movements uh, in accordance to your goal. I think instead of that, I think that there should be a movement practice <clears throat> done every day. You should have strength and fitness and conditioning hygiene that you just brush up against 
You know, how do you brush your gums? You don't, you know, you're not supposed to be brushing them like this. You get in trouble by your dentist if you go too crazy on them. You want to brush up against strength. You want to brush up against uh, some cardiovascular training. You want to brush up against mobility, brush up against flexibility. Um, you don't have to kill yourself with a, uh, with a modality that you hate. You don't have to spend an hour stretching and be like, I hate every second of this. It hurts. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm sweating. I'm dying. Like this sucks. There's, I don't think there's any good reason to do anything like that. The gym is a spot or I'm sorry, exercise is an opportunity for you to feel better before you exercise. Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't even know if I want to get started today, but I have never found it in the thousands of workouts I've done over the years. I've never found it one time after I've given myself a, about eight or 10 minutes of some sort of movement that I'm not over the negative thoughts I had before. Yeah, it's amazing. So a little bit of like what I would call like unflinching discipline, like just go and do the thing. When you do the thing, then the dopamine gets released and uh, you're going to be encouraged to push a little further and push a little harder. That's how the body works. Um, people kind of talk about like a warm up and stuff. And it's, you know, as I think it's doing more for your mind than it is for your body. Yeah. As, as effective as, as antidepressants on like low grade depression. I think it might get into a probably gets into a different realm of like really you know severe it's, depression again a, a place that I don't have enough depth to speak on yeah but research suggests which I mean just I think just general intuition 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 and logic suggests as well exercise has at least as much effect as antidepressants it's unbelievable and so I think what I think would be helpful for people is to remove this idea that you are going to start now to embark on exercise and working out and it's starting on Monday and you're going to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you're going to go on a ketogenic diet. Like you're implementing like seven things at one time. Just implement one small change at a time. Yeah. Be victorious. Be set yourself up for victory. Yeah. And that's what I mean by never having a bad day. My days aren't bad because they're not hard. Mm -hmm. Nothing I do, nothing I do uh, has a tremendous amount of difficulty to it. That's Alan Watts as well. That's a suggestion like the where we've gotten, been hoodwinked is the concept that work needs to be hard. If you get to a right. place where work becomes play, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And like that, like that's, that's where we got the, the wool pulled over our eyes or whatever the term is. So says Alan Watts, which I think makes complete sense. If you're engaging, if you choose a path in in one's life that actually feels like this is dynamic and this is playful and we're creating and I'm, cr I'm producing value and I'm, and, you know, exchanging it for finances, <clears throat> you know, but I was able to play through that experience. Right. And I think that's the mentality. If, if more people could adapt that myself included, how can I play through the day? Mm. Oh, I'm doing something hard. You know, I'm pumping my gas, you know, I was just like, whatever, but like, how could, how could you make this be into something that's actually a playful experience? And if you can adapt that mindset, I think it's a, it's a really big deal. One of the all-time greats uh, known as the great one, Wayne Gretzky, mm. uh, one of the all-time great hockey players, <clears throat> he said that people would uh, come up to him and they would say, hey, you know, I'd love for you to check out, you know, how my son's doing and, you know, if he has what it takes to kind of go to the next level. And Wayne Gretzky knew what every player was doing on every single play because he watched tape after tape after tape 
from the time he was a little kid, not just when he was like uh, a pro from the time he was a little kid. And I don't even really know the different positions in hockey, but I think he was center, right wing, left wing. I was going to say, I think he defense, right defense goalie. There you go. And I think he was a center, I believe probably Um, people are going to be so mad at me. Some of the hockey fans, but Wayne Gretzky would start out by, by uh, tracing on, on a sheet of paper where the center was on certain plays Mm. with certain offenses that they set up. He's like seven or eight Mm. and he would trace it and he would trace back this. The guy goes, the guy goes this way and he goes that way. And he goes, he's just playing on a sheet of paper, like a little kid just drawing, you know, but he was so fascinated by it. And then he would do it with a defenseman and then he would do it with the goalie. The goalie moves this many times. Mm. The goalie goes for the puck this many times. He's sitting there watching it and he's like a fucking madman. He's a mad scientist, but you know, if, if someone was to walk in the room and they're like, Hey man, aren't you getting tired of that? He'd be like, huh? I'm playing. Yeah. He's just playing. Yeah. And so when people would ask him that question, you know, what could you do for my son or how could you help him? Can you give me any advice? It's like, I got nothing. I, you know, uh, <laughs> they, they either have it, you know, and they are, they think it's fun. And they want to practice and practice and practice and they want to make sure everything is right and they want to be detailed with it as possible. What's your advice? What's your advice for a 20 something or 30 something year old person that feels like they're in a grind in their life and their work and they feel almost like this extra existential crisis or, or pressure that, oh, I need to be playing all the time and I need to be like following my bliss and I need to be, you know, going towards my passion, but I'm not. And I don't make, even know what the hell it is. Real simple. Make something. Mm. Make something. Make something of yourself or make something for yourself or make something for someone else. Mm. The strongest power that human beings have is the ability to create. And we lose sight of that a lot. And uh, technology, uh, sometimes technology can sometimes help with that. And sometimes it can disarm you and make you less effective at, at being someone that's a creator. But, you know, when you hear people talk about religion, they talk about their creator. That is what the highest power. There's nothing more powerful than being able to create or make something. Mm. And we forget that we get to make something of ourselves. Every single thing that we do, uh, other than like certain odd situations that are out of your hands, almost every situation in our life is something that you choose to do. It, a lot of it is a choice. Yep. And I know that, yes, it could be a particular choice because you were born in Russia versus born here. And I, I understand uh, a lot of that. And there's a lot of luck to all of this shit of just trying to live your life uh, in which country you're born in and all these different things. But every human being has divinity within them. I'm a huge believer of that. Mm. And it can get taken away. It can get squandered. It can get crushed by somebody else. I, I could make something. Um, I could, uh, you know, I could make a painting and someone could say, man, that really looks like shit. And then I, then how much more painting am I going to do? Well, it depends on how into it I am, how interested I am, how yeah. much do I like it? Because am I, if I make another one and maybe just show it to somebody else, now somebody else might say, holy, wow, I've never seen anything quite like that before. That's pretty cool. What else do you got? And you show them the one that the other guy said sucked. Mm. 
Yeah. And like, holy shit, that's better than the other one. So You're many like, huh? people have that exact same story. <laughs> right. That's like Rick Rubin advice as well. Yeah. All that matters is that you, that you, you love it. You, uh, like yeah. That is art. You want to actually share it. I thought that was beautiful what he said. I thought that yeah. was really really wonderful but once you start getting coerced into what i think they're going to like you're 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 kind of falling off the path right to some degree i think there also is value in in like speaking to your audience you know and having that but mm -hmm. the, i think there also is a lot of value in just be like i'm doing this because i love it right and that's enough and and how does somebody uh make something how do they make something themselves well um, again, just going back to we're all different and some people know how to make music. Um, some people know how to uh, do construction. Some people are really good with their hands. Some people are mechanics. Um, make whatever the fuck you can make and create whatever you can create. Maybe it's content like us or we're doing this. Yeah. Like you probably can't work on a car for shit. I know I can't. Mm -mm. I got no idea what's going on with the car. I didn't change a tire. That's pretty good, bro. Yeah, bro. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> some respect on it. Damn, I could YouTube some stuff and yeah. still be confused. Yeah. But that's about it. You could change a tire. I never I never have. Really? No. Nope. I used to change my oil, my uh, Mitsubishi Mirage in, in Hawaii. <laughs> I'd jack it up so I could save $18 or whatever. Mm. Not that much to change oil. It doesn't cost too much. Like the difference in changing your own oil compared to taking it to a place. My son was into like changing his own oil for a while. And then he was like over it. Yeah, that was me. He's like, it doesn't cost that much to go. Get it doesn't it cost that much. To go change. Like $10 to right. have somebody do the whole situation. Yeah. I'm not a roll my sleeves up kind of guy. <laughs> I got no sleeves even. <laughs> if there was a few most fundamental physical hygiene practices, what would they be? Well, I think that it would be a good idea to try to look into many aspects of training. Mm -hmm. Let's say you just, you really dig strength training. you you like to deadlift here and there and you like kettlebells and shit like that. Well, that part's covered the, the part, the stuff that you already really enjoy. That's great. Use that on a cloudy day. Um, use that just as needed just to feel good and to have fun and you like to load up the bar and you love to deadlift 405 for some reps or something. <clears throat> it sounds great. Uh, the other thing would be, you know, how, how do we keep ourselves doing the things that we like for a really long time? Yeah. So what are things that are going to assist with you being able to keep your body intact, knowing that you love some MMA training, some kettlebells and some deadlifts? You know, once you once you uh, start to discover some of the things that you already like, now let's just start to think about how do we keep ourselves together? How do I keep myself excited about this for one? And how do I just keep myself healthy? So a huge part of training that just, you know, maybe is swept under the rug sometimes is just like, what are the things you're interested in? Mm. What are some of the things that you're the least interested in? But the least interesting things can we find some sort of compromise somewhere? Maybe you, maybe you, maybe you just despise the elliptical machine. You will never go on one. You think it's going to ruin your gains and this and that. Uh, maybe you used to like when you were younger, maybe you used to like riding around on your bike. You know, can you get out on your bike here and there? Maybe you like some walks. Maybe you can get out on a walk. So I think it's a good idea to examine the many aspects of fitness, which are, mobility strength um 
maybe explosive power and also I think a big one is just being able to uh, handle some eccentric forces. Eccentric force is just you jumping down from like a box. You don't even have sure. to, you don't have to jump actually just fall down from a box and try to catch yourself in a way that just doesn't make crazy loud noises. Yeah. Have it not be painful. Uh, start out by just going off of like a six inch box and have to be high. Maybe you work your way into uh, something that's higher over time just to increase the challenge. But I think what's sort of lost in the sauce is like when it comes to longevity, it's so funny because I've been saying strength is never a weakness and weakness is never strength forever. That can and be misconstrued. It can, it can be. Because then you have to define what is strength. Right. Subjective. And our only way to measure strength is in the gym kind of, you know? Uh, how much you bench or how much you deadlift or yeah, how much you can become like a false idol squat. And those things, um, they're not, they're not necessarily irrelevant. Like, like if you told me, if you told me, uh, you know, two years ago, I pushed my squat for a little while. I squatted five fifty five. I'd be like, shit, man, that, that means that Aaron, Aaron's tall. And he must've spent like a good amount of time on that. That just gives me, it gives me an idea that you, um, like that didn't happen in like six months. Yeah. And it know? gives you information about what I could potentially do with my body. Yeah. It and, wouldn't and just be squat related. Your structure, maybe your bone density and some yeah. things like that. But it really is kind of irrelevant to anything else. Yeah. Um, and and it's in, interesting. Like I, I find the shade that has been thrown at the gym from a lot of strength coaches and um people that are looking for answers because they're like, well, how come my guy who, you know, benches 500 and squats 700, how come that's not the best player on the field? Yeah. Well, what field are we talking about? Like what, what, what game are we playing? Because uh, you're not measured by any of those other movements and your heels being on the ground in a squat where you have a weightlifting belt on and, and the situation is highly monitored and you're able to have the situation be exactly the way that you want. Football or any other sport doesn't work that way. And it would be, it wouldn't make any sense to try to mimic the actions of football in a gym. Maybe some of the actions in football. Uh, but if you think about like getting tackled or tackling somebody else, I mean, what would that look like in a gym? You'd have like weight on the bar and then all of a sudden like a hundred pounds would jump on there or something like that would be, it could be like disastrous. There could be value in doing some of like, we were talking last night at dinner, like some of the Edo Portal type movements, mm. you know, or maybe like one of the drills that I like to do with clients that I actually, I think I probably saw it from, from Edo stuff originally is taking the, the dowel stick, you know, and taking them through different ranges mm. of motion, kind of like poking them with the dowel yep. and you'll like sweep it across their torso and sweep it across their, you know, under their legs or mm. have them, you know, they go down to the ground and sweep it under their hand and just force you to explore all these different novel ranges of motion. Judo, jujitsu, which mm. is a, which is a, a sport, you know, but it, just, it forces yeah. the body to start to fill in some of what could be um, like uh, cortical blank spots. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like you're, you're 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 turning the lights on and all the different nooks and crannies of your of your joints, and you're starting to feel more comfortable in a broader right. range of motion, which is incredibly important. And you can paint yourself into a box if you're just like a big three guy, bench press, squat, mm -hmm. deadlift. You know, and suddenly I'm a better athlete than you. It's like, well, you're better at bench squat, bench squat, deadlift, 
but does that necessarily translate to be to the other things? That's, you know, right. I think that's the bigger question. Yeah. I think, uh, those movements are great. And for some people kind of depending on how they go about doing those movements, they might not really truly need much else. Uh, if you're diligent and you've been paying attention and you're doing like, you know, Ronnie Coleman back in the day, he would go out and he would do, you know, walking lunges in the freaking Texas heat with like 225. Um, and he would go like, I don't know, like 50 yards, <clears throat> throw the weight off his back and he'd do another set, he'd do another set and so on. It's like, I don't think the, that high level of bodybuilding, obviously those guys are on so many drugs. There's, there's other things to think about there, but you'd be shocked at how easily those guys can bury you in a workout. Mm-hmm. Even if you're, even if you feel like you're in pretty good shape, um, somebody like Stan efforting or some of these guys that are able to in bodybuilding, they take a tremendous amount of volume and they're able to condense it down into like a 45 minute workout. And you'd be surprised at how difficult those workouts can be. So I'm not saying that everyone needs to have all this crazy exploration in what they do and to, you know, just scrape up against so many different disciplines that they don't like. But uh, reintroducing yourself to a sport would be wonderful. Yeah. And with respect to that, I would say that you might have to have a little preparatory phase before you go off. I want to encourage you to sign up for jujitsu. I want to encourage you to sign up for a run club. I want to encourage you to do all these things, but I also would hate to see people get hurt. Yeah. So if you, if you like the, if, if you got at least halfway there and you already like the gym, I think you do owe it to yourself though, to prove to yourself and to show to your, show yourself that you're capable of like, what, what were you doing when you were 10 and 12 and 15? How fast were you then? Like what could, what were the things that you could do? Yeah. If you were pretty skilled at some stuff, there's no reason why you can't work your way back towards that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something that you referenced Wayne Gretzky, who I played hockey for years, so that was, you know, he's like somewhat of a, wasn't an idol growing up. But one of the things that he suggested that was pretty interesting is he said one of the worst things that ever happened to ice hockey was the uh, invention of ice rinks. Because historically, when he was a kid, you'd play ice hockey in the winter, and in the summer you'd cross-train. You'd play soccer, and you'd, you know, just do anything else. Right. And you'd kind of like expand that neuromuscular proprioceptive matrix with all of these novel movement experiences. And then you'd come back to hockey and you'd be like a a more complete mover. Mm. But when you become a full-time specialist from age four to age NHL and you've never gone into anything else, it can lead to problems, which is kind of an interesting thing, I think. And, be willing to be an amateur, be willing to be a beginner with regularity and it gets easier. And eventually you fill in enough spaces like in your, your co-host slash friend in SEMA is a great example of, mm-hmm. of this, which I think it makes sense of, of why you've kind of like brought him into your, your, your world. 100%. You know, he's a, he's a really great generalist in that way. And I think that that's a really novel thing because what happens is, is movement is a language and it's just another expression of, of communication and just like if you are a whatever the term is polyglot or whatever it is for speaking multiple languages if you speak one language learning another language is not that easy Mm. if you speak eight languages learning another language you kind of get it and it's like oh this is like that and that's like that and you kind of you have this system of how to how to create language Mm -hmm. it's very similar that way with with movement 
want to take a moment and share about one of my favorite and most hilarious and most supportive sponsors that is Manscaped. Fresh Ball Fall is upon us and you need to be in the festive spirit. Light a candle, get some pumpkin spice, and make sure your balls look nice. With the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. Nature may clear the leaves of your trees, but you'll need Manscaped's help to get you ready for that sweater weather. Get your pants and puppies prepared for cuffing season with a trim as refreshing as a ball breeze by going to manscaped.com and using code align ALIGN for 20% off plus free shipping. I really genuinely like Manscaped. They're a fantastic product. I've been impressed with everything about them along the way. Uh, the lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer for said balls and pubic region is fantastic because I have not been able to nick myself. That is something that I historically have had an experience with. I am a manscaper myself, been so for years. And uh, inevitably, if you're a dude or you're a girlfriend with a dude, they will nick their stuff. It happens it's a part of it and uh the lawnmower it works it really does i'm very excited about it i think you guys really dig it i think it really is worth the purchase and it has stepped up my personal grooming practice significantly uh also if you get their package it comes with a bunch of other great stuff it also comes with a pair of boxers comes with the travel bag comes with their crop <laughs> crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver ball spray toner um it's just great this, this is such a cool company i'm a fan of them uh, so bring in the fall right get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code align l-i-g-n at manscaped.com that's m-a-n-s-c-a-p-e-d.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use code align as the leaves fall make sure you have it all with manscaped have you uh lost some capacities over the years that you had to work towards regaining or did you just never lose them? Not really. Yeah, no, I've, I've actually, um, if I played hockey again, I know like emphatically I would be, I would be a dramatically better hockey player and it, and it's, and it's, it's coming back to, it's relearning and understanding. And I think I still feel like quite nascent, um, in my journey as a, a human in general, but you know, as a, a, a moving human you know and and, and uh, just understanding mechanics and understanding um how to move better how to move more what? freely how to move more length more spaciousness more power more integrity more f and, and also flexibility um but it has been an ongoing um like up upward trend mm -hmm. of feeling better which i'm really grateful for was uh was there a gap between like you playing hockey when you were young and then uh you like, uh, did I, you still do some, I, I, I fucked myself up. You still do some sports now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, so I, I, I played hockey growing up, um, was good at, at like a very like, like low level, like mm -hmm. in, in like the, the very like amateur leagues that I was in, I was, I was one of the better players. And then I got really obsessed with bodybuilding and I was, for me, it, it doesn't, this doesn't need to be the way for, for everybody. But for me, it was like a lot of just feeling like. I think like a lack of acceptance of myself and insecurity and my dad was going through stuff with drugs and whatnot. And there was like, uh, just a lot of th reasons that I had to feel to kind of like, jacked. yeah, it was like, I had a lot of reasons to get jacked. And so as I just became fully obsessive with getting jacked, um, like as, ex as obsessive as a 14 through 18 year old kid could be, like mm -hmm. I was that it was like all like lifting 
you know, at least twice a day, bringing protein shakes into the bathroom, like having to feed every two hours and pouring protein powder and creatine and glutamine and all that stuff all over the, the, the sinks and the high school bathrooms. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was like awkward, like the, what, whatever was happening in my mind, but I got shit at ice hockey. And so, and then I was obsessed with the glamour muscles. So I was doing like pretty much everything that you could see in the mirror. Wasn't paying that much attention to, you know, hip function or strength in my legs or just having a back. And then that translated to lots of shoulder dislocations all anteriorly. So a lot of like hypertonicity in the front of my body, um, jacked up my ankle, a lot of just like general chronic pain. And like the, like my body felt like it was starting to kind of just get like bound up. And from an external perspective, I looked really jacked. I looked very impressive for like an 18 year old kid. I was like 235 and, you know, six, four and, you know, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. Like it was like pretty, and, and just, and like very low percent body fat. Right. But just progressively almost like, because I was training so hard and so imbalanced, it was almost on like a, like a monthly basis getting worse at sport. Mm. And then that led into moving to Hawaii, getting to like jujitsu and, surfing and went to massage school and then went to rolfing school and it was like a, then a process of me seeking out guides for how to fix my shit because i had so many problem areas i think for people that are listening you know for especially the people that are younger you can prevent all this by simply taking what steroids what, yeah <laughs> what i mentioned earlier is you know try to find a sport that'll be really helpful that's why i'm recommending like if you can find a sport if you do, if you are a jujitsu person, I, I don't want to say that, uh, I don't want to say like the stuff that you're doing in the gym doesn't matter or whatever, but, um, and that you shouldn't work on like, uh, other movement patterns and things like that. But like you're nailing down a lot of movement patterns by doing jujitsu mm -hmm. or you're nailing down a lot of movement by, uh, doing some boxing or kickboxing. Yeah. And it, you're learning that contralateral yeah, like left, right, connecting your your right side to your left side, right foot to to left hand. If you can do that, learn that, you're doing yourself such a huge service. And we forget that you get the same thing from running. You know, running, running is one of the greatest movements on the planet. It's one of the best stretches that you can put your body through because your your hand and your foot very rarely get that far apart like that. Like you're. Yep. You're, you mentioned contralateral, so like your right hand will be furthest away from, say, like your left foot That's as right. you're in like a sprint. Like so, you your coil, your spring, your sling pattern will be like stretched out right. and twisted like a rag. So if you had some gunky shit in a rag that you wanted to get out of the rag, i.e., your organs, the way that you would get said shit out of the rag is you would get it wet which is hyaluronic acid and all the fluids that are, you know, wrapping and bathing our joints and your connective tissue and such. And then you would twist the rag. Right. It's exactly what you're doing every time you walk. And then you're just twisting the rag harder every time you sprint. I think like running, walking, I really believe that it's uh, ingrained into the human system to get X amount of movement. And I think that's what's absent from our, you know, we're, we're in a nice like little incubator, um, echo chamber of like people listening they dig fitness they dig movement they're into a lot of these things they're accepting of a lot of these things and being here in austin texas too it looks like there's a lot of people that are uh, into fitness into running into lifting but we still need so many more people to kind of join in and join in on on movement mm -hmm. and i believe that there's like a certain number that's sort of locked in uh your brain or your body or your soul somewhere like there's a certain amount of movement 
that you are responsible to do every day as a human. Like it, you just has to get done. Otherwise I think anxiety, depression, yeah. loneliness, I think all these things start to really seep in, uh, because like you, you'll find that as you start to move more and as you start to feel better, you'll notice on the days where you didn't get after it, you didn't do that stuff. A lot of times you'll just start to feel worse. Mm -hmm. And the really nice thing about that is over a period of time, that'll be encouraging for you to understand like, okay, today it's cool to take a day off from what some of these more intense things, but there's absolutely no reason to take a complete day off. Yeah. There are no days off. Yeah. You got to work every day. I think like 80% of the calories that you burn are from your, your basal metabolic rate. It's just your general beingness, mm. you know, and that's like a, a person through their, their NEAT is a fun acronym, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, mm. just through, which is a fancy word of just saying like calories you burn just from kind of like fidgeting throughout the day or just doing basic shit. Um, you can be burning upwards of, of over 2000 calories a day just through NEAT, just through the, the way that you kind of just cruise through the day. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a big thing that I you know suggest within my book, the Align method or any of the stuff that I'm kind of encouraging of folks is just like, what's like the lowest hanging, like basic bitch Neanderthal I got fruit, it. you know, what is it? Have you heard of the soleus pushup study? I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The soleus yeah. pushup study is really interesting. And you know, I don't know how much, uh, exercise science or nutrition science, has even really helped us at all. I don't know. <laughs> people, people will shit on me for that, but I don't think it's really moved the needle for us much, but it it's can. It's still so conflicted. It's very conflicted. The smartest people in the room, all the MDs, all the PhDs, all the science, all mm -hmm. the empirical data, diametrically opposed opinions, ultimately. And a lot of times it just seems to point to like, Find the thing that you like, repeat that a lot yeah. so that you're healthy. Which then it comes, <laughs> sorry for interrupting, but then it comes, eventually it comes back to like, bro, I think you got to follow your intuition. Right. And then all the side are like, oh God. It's like, well, what else can you do? Right. <laughs> you <Yeah. know>? like, <laughs> right. So the soleus push-up study is yeah. basically just, uh, you know, people kind of, you know, they, they uh, move their foot around, they shake their foot around a lot, you know. Yeah. That's not really a soleus push-up. A soleus push-up is uh, almost like a seated calf raise. Yeah. And it's like strategic. Like you you intentionally, with your calf muscles, you intentionally actually want to move them a little slower uh, because you you want the uh, you want the Achilles tendon, you want that to stretch, and you actually want to be almost, in this case, not a, in the case of like jumping or something, but in this case, you want to be inefficient so you want your muscles to actually work and so you want to actually be a little slower than normal and so all you're going to do is push your you're going to have your uh your feet like under your knees you're sitting down you could do this at your desk um you're sitting down and you are just pushing your heels off the ground giving the calves a little squeeze and then putting your heels back down uh in this study that a guy did he was on uh, superhuman radio with uh, my buddy carl lenore and the guy who actually did the study said that if you, he, they ran a study where these people were doing this on and off for like eight hours and they, uh, they doubled their metabolic rate, yeah. doubled. Now you could be like, Hey, look, it's one study. Like why, why even bring this up? This is so dumb. I do understand that it's dumb, but I think it's whether it actually doubles your metabolic rate or that particular study was off. 
the fact that that just raising your heels while you're sitting down burns calories is yeah. fucking dope. Yeah. And the ankle joint is, this is something that's like out of my depth as well, but it's tied into your dopamine, 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 nergic centers in the brain and makes so sense it might even make you think that you're walking in some weird way yeah i think there's i think there's something right. to that and it's really that's particularly with the soleus push-up or whatever they call it is very supportive with clearing out excess blood glucose as well so it's like good for blood that sugar. was a big part of it and the soleus only represents like one percent of the of uh, right most people's muscle mass so it's it's a low cost low-hanging fruit thing that you can do yep. and i'll just add to that by saying um I do this kind of stuff throughout the day. Like, I see you're moving your wrist around, your fist. I do that all the time. Yeah. Just open my hand Burning up. calories, baby. I'm just like, uh, and also too, like, you know, um, our, our flexor muscles in our, in our hands get worked a lot because we're squeezing stuff and we're doing our lifting. But the extensor muscles aren't getting worked as much. So sometimes on a run or just on a walk or just if I think of it, I'll just start to open my hands up and, just move around a little bit more. Your body is like a house and it's continually moving towards entropy or disorganization. And if you live in a house, sometimes you go into someone's house and they're a person that's a little bit more like fastidious and they're kind of like they're sweeping and they're, you know, they mm -hmm. do a dish, they make some food and then they clean the dish. They get out of their bed, bed's messy. They make their bed. That's some people, the way that they live in their house. Some people, they just let shit pile up. And eventually that piled up stuff becomes mold and then becomes rats, becomes cockroaches. It's like disgusting to live in. It's disgusting to be around. Eventually they get accustomed to that. It's just normal. And they're like this, what, what smell? But someone else that comes in that takes, has some level of, of home hygiene, mm -hmm. they walk into that house. They're like, oh my God, bro. Like <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you take care of this? Yeah. Like that literally is the experience of living inside of a body. And throughout the day, a mm. person that engages in those subtle little twists and turns and oh, I just choose to take a walking meeting and I choose to relax my eyes and get them out of the screen for a little bit. And I choose to look up at sunlight and I choose to do the panoramic vision thing. And, you know, I choose to maybe meditate every now and again or some kind of mindfulness practice or, you know, I just choose to kind of like twist my neck a little bit or. I, I choose to stand on a, a, a standing desk while I'm doing mm. my work, or maybe I even souped it up more and I got one of those little treadmill desks. I'm just, I just keep on cleaning, baby. You know, and like that's mm -hmm. a very different house to live in than the person that just sits in a sedentary way. No judgment. There's not one that's moralistically better or worse. But the effect of that excessive sedentary lifestyle, uh, it becomes, I think, like deeply toxic. And I think that's like the, the, the main one of the main issues or the longest levers that we have access to for healthcare is just getting people to like clean up all those nooks and crannies throughout mm. their body with just a little basic movement. Sorry for being a little soapboxy. Well, you got to build some sort of resistance to the most obvious thing. The most obvious thing is like, it's so easy to overeat. You know, there's just such an abundance of food everywhere. Mm. Um, I think for most people, even people in the fitness industry, uh, it's really easy to, you know, say, Oh man, I got like all this activity. So I need, you know, 300 grams of protein and I need 300 grams of carbs. Like, well, um, you know, need is a pretty strong word. Maybe you don't have that much activity to where you need that amount of food. But I think the activity is the thing that is going to be part of what's keeping you in shape along with your relationship to your calories in, you have a relationship with your calories out. But if there's, if you can stay tethered to one or the other and, or both, both would be ideal but you can you can lose one here and there. It's fine. Mm -hmm. 
you go on vacation and for whatever, like you only love training in the gym. Yeah, and so you decide on your vacation that like you spokes in a wheel that you don't lift. And that's going to be totally fine. It's going to be a wash. It's not going to matter. It actually could be quite productive. When you come back, you might be thirsty or hungry to go back into the gym again. Yeah. Yeah. That was a Laird Hamilton subject. We just recorded him like a month ago. So it's, it's fresh, but that was one of the analogies that we had that we, I think we use for a social clip. So it's in my mind, mm. but he's saying like, this is like all those different little activities that you engage in health inducing activities are like spokes in a wheel. Yeah. You know, and if you're a person that has one spoke, you know, your spoke is, you know, whatever you, you buy some kind of fancy crystal, blessed spirit water mm -hmm. you know like that's my spoke everything else i'm a complete piece of shit <laughs> like it's not gonna roll real good right but if you're like no bro like we i have so much insulation through mm -hmm. my like we have so many spokes like i can eat like an asshole it's not a big deal you know i can have a weekend bender and it's like it's not that big a deal like i have so much insulation in mm -hmm. my wheel i can remove 10 spokes for a weekend and it's no problem but if you don't have much spokes in your wheel um, you know, you, you affect one and it's like, you really feel the disturbance. It's a practice. It's legitimately a practice. So you're practicing it, uh, as often as you can and not even always in a reasonable way. Yeah. If you, we'll, we'll wrap up soon cause you're probably, it's probably getting time for, for dinner. Um, but mm. if you, so you competed at the highest level with weightlifting, which is an aspirational thing for many people. Uh, and as well as you've gone very deep into bodybuilding and like in, in like the, the bro realms, you've kind of achieved some like King status, I would say like you've, you've, you've gone about as, as it feels far. good by the way. Like it's a cool feeling, you know, uh, yeah. knowing like, you know, this guy over here and that guy over there and it doesn't matter what gym I go to. Um, for the most part, I can be fairly sure that I lifted more than that person. Kind of yeah. neat. It's like, cool. oh, a lot. How many people have bench pressed before? Yeah. And it's like, I was able to achieve certain things. So it's, it's something that can help make you feel. I good. like that a lot for violence. Like that's something that mm -hmm. I, there's like a deep satiation for me and it could be insecurity or I something, but I think guy. it's also, I think it's also like actually something that's quite fine. But, um, I think there's a, for a man, especially probably for a woman as, as well. I don't know for who more. My no, feelings I, what you're saying makes total sense. Uh, uh, a sense of security is, is a wonderful thing. You yeah. know, if you feel like, ah, oh, man, if I have to go to, it comes to blows with that guy, I could probably take him. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of measuring yourself up. I, I don't see anything. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Maybe. I think, I think it's pretty good, uh, rational thought process. Um, the only thing is, is just like, you know, if, if we're talking about like getting in a street fight with somebody, uh, those can be very chaotic. So yeah could be a very the guy could have a gun you know i think it's just the unspoken unrealistic never going to happen in a million years but everybody in the room knows that guy could fuck up everybody in the room how good does it feel to feel attractive so when what? you know someone's checking you out like that feels yeah. good yeah and you don't know if you're gonna fuck that person that day or whatever but yeah. but it feels good that they were just checking you out i think it's, it's all the car it's all the carnal stuff like that's like that's it all mm -hmm. comes back to things like oh like oh sex like could, there could be sex. <laughs> You're like, oh, that feels good. Or there could be a fight. There could be violence, and or there could be food. Our tribe would win the violence. Like, oh yeah, I like that. That's why we're obsessed with football. That's why we're obsessed with you know sporting events. You have mini fights everywhere. Yeah, yeah, these little like battles to the death. Um, all right. So, so last couple of questions. One, if you could change anything about the way that you trained and go back to previous self, getting into 
strength training, bodybuilding, things of the sort, uh, what would you change outside of the thing? I wouldn't change anything because I learned everything from, you know, and brought me to where I'm at. But is there any kind of like, oh, like I kind of wish I learned this style of movement or this style of mobility or this style. I wish I understood how to use my breath in a different way or anything like that. I, you know, luckily I got to be pretty aware of a lot of things during my lifting career. And I had, uh, you know, I trained under Louis Simmons, who's, you know, had one of the strongest gyms ever, Westside Barbell. And luckily, uh, I had a good friend in my corner who was my coach, Jesse Burdick. He always helped me out with a lot of stuff. Mm. I've worked with Jesse. Jesse's amazing. Yeah, through Kyle Kingsbury. Very, very smart. Yeah. He helped me with a lot of programming stuff and things like that. And then Kelly Sturette, um, you know, kind of showing me some of the light and showing me the way. He was like, you know, okay, I, I get it. You don't love to stretch, but like. <laughs> these movements they only take a couple minutes bro you know yeah. take take your time do a couple of these movements the only thing i would really say is that looking back on it now uh i guess one thing that i could have changed that would have accelerated everything and made everything better uh would be to take powerlifting to the same level that i took bodybuilding which is sort of an unfair comparison because uh i only did bodybuilding as like a little mini sprint yeah. i only did i did a bodybuilding show i think i had like nine weeks to prep for it and i, I so and i did it and i uh ended up getting really lean and, and had good results with it and stuff but bodybuilding um anyone that anybody that wants a really awesome challenge like you think what you do is really difficult give bodybuilding a shot i'm not saying that bodybuilding is is exponentially harder than a lot of other things but bodybuilding has a 24 7 full court press on you mm. and you are going to be like for me i actually did bodybuilding i didn't compete with the board shorts and stuff so i'm in these little tiny panties on stage so hot it's yeah it was hot bro and uh it's so difficult because of that 24 hour clock like you all day every day your food has to be squared away mm. and over a period of time like as the contest gets closer you, you you start to take away a little bit more food and then sprinkled in is more exercise and you're like holy shit i can't what's going on here i can't handle this anymore like you're thinking that you're tough you're like oh, i'm mentally tough and you're like i'm ready i'm ready i know we're gonna do that i know the calories are going lower i know the carbs are going lower i know there's more cardio i know there's more lifting but you're like i'm good i like all this this is what i'm gonna do right and then but every other minute every other minute of the entire day when you're awake you're like i don't know i shouldn't do this i should probably just eat something else i'd probably just get like a fucking pizza or something what's the difference no one's gonna know uh, okay, maybe I shouldn't go. All right, pizza is not a good idea, but maybe I should go in the cabinet and see if we have any peanut butter and just sneak some peanut butter. And you, you're just doing this shit to yourself all day long. And so it's a really, uh, take my hat off to, I was already off. I take my hat off to those people that have, uh, done bodybuilding on a high level because it is, it is very, very difficult. I've never, uh, participated in a sport that took that kind of, uh, discipline. Mm. So I, I did powerlifting since the time I was 12 until I was, I don't know, late 30s. And I did my first bodybuilding show around 40. And when I got done with my bodybuilding show, I said to myself, you know what? 
I got to be honest with myself. I think I was only 60 or 70% in mm. on what I was doing in powerlifting. Mm. So as I, I did push it, I did learn a lot. I did get around great people. Uh, I absorbed a lot. I investigated a lot. But there was still another aspect where if I'm being honest, and I don't know if I, I don't know if that would have been a good change because maybe I wouldn't still be married and stuff like that. Uh, if I threw that monkey wrench in there to take even more time with powerlifting because the workouts were tremendously long. You squat a thousand pounds might not be something anyone's ever thought about before, but you warm up the same way as everybody else. You do the bar, you do 135, 225, 270, you know, and you, you keep progressively adding weight. It takes forever mm. to do a powerlifting workout. Things take like three or four hours. So yeah, and the food long, long breaks in between sets, the extra food prep on top of that would have been a lot, but I, I fully believe that it would have, uh, would have helped me be even better at powerlifting. If you had that full court press all in like 24 seven type perspective on the way that you approach powerlifting that you learned from bodybuilding. Right. That's, that's cool. Last question. And then we'll get some food. If you had three meals that you had to eat for the rest of your life and the intention was performance slash gains, mm -hmm. what would you put into those meals? <clears throat> um, I would probably start with red meat. Uh, so yeah, like a, a steak or ground beef. Mm. Um, I would probably choose like a potato or something because uh, a potato just is a little more nutrient dense than a uh, than rice. Although rice is delicious, sweet or white. Uh, my favorite. Potato is a Japanese sweet potato. I knew you were going to say some fancy shit. Dude, those are so good. You know when I say that all the time? <laughs> like Molokai yam. Yeah, whenever I say something, people are like, oh, that's like rich people stuff. <laughs> Asshole. I'm like, it's not. Like, <laughs> you can get it at a regular grocery store. <laughs> a Japanese sweet potato is not any more expensive than a regular potato, I don't think. I feel ostracized. But they're amazing. They taste like candy. They're unbelievable. They're like sweet. Yeah, I get it, bro. You got it's a lot of money. I'm rich. <laughs> Not everyone can be on. I'm sorry, I can't be on the sweet, the Japanese sweet potato diet, bro. I recommend them to everybody. I don't think everyone's anyone's ever even tried one. Except <laughs> uh, and the other thing uh, that I would probably throw in there is like some sort of fruit, like a blueberry or something. I love blueberries. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mix all that together. I'd mix the potatoes and the meat together, but blueberries I'd eat afterwards. Fruit yeah. is a wonderful thing. I'm about that. I like the I like the Ben Patrick suggestion of you can eat as much fruit as you want before bed. He loves that, huh? That was his thing for a little while. I I need to clean up my act when it comes to like how much I want to eat right before I go to bed. Yeah, what's with that? I don't know what's wrong. I got something wrong with me. Yeah. I need help. Bro. <laughs> I'm with you. I really do. I'm like I'm definitely not hungry. I am satiated, but I'm not like fully satisfied. So I'm like, you ever do the thing button. where you kind of keep open in the fridge, see if anything new popped up? Yeah. I try to do all kind. that actually would make for a good fridge. Yeah. If that, like when you did open, like if it was like magic kind of right. like it had, you know, different, like if you pulled it one way and it showed you like some stuff and you pulled it another way and it showed you something different, it'd be awesome. Yeah. But you know, nothing is, there's, there's not, when you're searching like that 
and you're not actually like truly hungry, mm. uh, there's nothing in the fridge that you're going to like. No, 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 no. No, because you're, you need stuff from the pantry is where you're at. That's, and you, that's, and you're, that's the solution. And you need to look in the freezer. Like you're looking in the wrong spot. Yeah, you need some cool whip. <laughs> is what's, <laughs> right? For sure. It's, it's totally what's happening. I mean, what are you going to open the fridge and see? Like, oh, there's an unkicked, uncooked Open, chicken breast. Yeah, blueberries, sparkling water. Like, fuck this place. That's fuck me. Fuck this Midnight diet. When you're just alone. Fucking. I need something to fill in my loneliness. <laughs> Let me eat yeah. this legendary foods tasty pastry. Yeah, bro. You need nutrient density. And then let me eat like 17 more of them. Fuck yeah. Because they're not the same as a regular treat. <laughs> yeah. I want to take a moment and share one of the only supplements that I brought with me on my last trip. I was away for a month and I brought a month supply of AG1. It's something that I took every single morning. I've been taking it every morning for the last couple of years. It's something that I heard about originally through Andrew Huberman and gave it a try and I really dig it. The reason I like it is it is an all-in-one stop to get your vitamins, minerals, and also probiotics in the morning. So if you are lugging around a bunch of supplements like I have historically, this is a great way to lighten your load. It also tastes delicious. One of the things that I do is I put it in a blender with some ice. I blend it up and it just tastes incredible. Sometimes I'll add a little electrolytes in there as well. And I feel great. My mind feels sharp afterwards. And it is an amazing asset to bring with you traveling. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and also get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. All you gotta do is go to drinkag1.com slash align. That's drinkag1.com slash line. Hope you guys enjoy. I want to take a moment and share a free resource with y'all to sort out your movement that is starting the first free week of the Align Method online program where you get a thorough movement assessment to establish what is your personal movement baseline. And then on top of that, we share fundamental mobility techniques that will make a massive difference in your own personal practice. If you do any type of stretching or yoga or foam rolling or resistance band training or training in general, you want to get the most out of your body. These are must know mobility techniques. And then it finishes with a sit rise challenge. So you can test yourself and see how effectively you get up and down off of the ground. That is the first week of the Align Method online program. It's a six week program. You can start the first week at alignpodcast.com slash AMP. And with that, you will also join the free Align community where there's over 3000 other members in there. So I pop in there each day, totally free. The first week is totally free. And then if you don't love the idea of continuing on with the six week program, then you can cancel anytime. So check us out over at alignpodcast.com slash AMP. We never talked about steroids. Next time. Hmm. I mean, I feel, I mean, I'm only wrapping up really because I feel like it's like, it's like I've been talking to you for a while. I feel like you have like well, time is rich it? people shit to do. Six, six. No, that's 11. the great thing about being rich. Uh, people, <laughs> people are always like, Hey man, I know you're so busy. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I have no goals. I just am chilling. Yeah. You know, I'm hanging out with my wife, my kids, my friends. I got time for it all. If you had all your money taken away. And no social media presence. What, what what do you think you would do? Would you do the same stuff? Just start training training people. Uh, yeah. I mean, before you know, before stripping on the side, but before uh, 
before I was like something to other people, I was already something to myself, you know, and I was already doing plenty of lifting and plenty of training and coaching and stuff like that. So none of that would change. I just did it, you know, without a camera for a while. A good, a good exercise I think is, is a nice thing to do. Create some kind of, I don't know, internal conflict of, of maybe conflict, <laughs> but also safety, uh, is exploring other career paths that you potentially could go on, like forcing yourself, but like, mm. I know, cool, great. Like you're a violinist, like you live, breathe, eat violin, but like you have to do something else. Like you have to let go of that. Yeah. The violin would have been good, dude. Yeah. I played, I thought it was, I thought it was gay. So I stopped. Mm. We had that conversation earlier. Soccer too. My brothers told me that everything was gay when I was a kid. I Dude, couldn't so messed up. I couldn't do anything. I was so good at the violin. I mentioned earlier that everything's a choice, and now I'm really realizing what a lie that is, and what a mistake that was for me to say that because the, my brothers, they forced me into football and lifting and everything else. Yeah, the irony is all the things that you were told would make you gay when you were a kid now, as an adult, are the things that would get you laid. That's a hundred percent true, and they're like things that could be really beneficial to like your like uh, happiness and your longevity and stuff like that. All of it. Yeah. If I played the violin, if I just broke out, broke out a, a freaking fiddle at a party every now and again, took my shirt off, put on your little bodybuilding bikini. You know, I didn't think that powerlifting was gay, but I was ashamed of powerlifting because nobody else did it. And so, oh, like, my, so my mom, so embarrassing, RIP my mom, she uh, would call the school and she'd be like, my son broke a New York State record in the bench press. And then they would announce it, like, before they do the, <laughs> before you, uh, whatever that, Declaration pledge allegiance of to or whatever. the flag or whatever the fuck. <laughs> What's trying, it called? Yeah. The American bandstand. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't know. Pledge allegiance, right? I pledge allegiance to the flag. I don't know, whatever. Not the Declaration of Independence. That was close. That was close <laughs> yeah, enough. Same country. Every morning you read the declaration. It, I, you know, before that, they would announce that I like broke this record. I was just like sinking my chair. I'm like, Nobody knows what powerlifting is, yeah, and no one knew back then. No one had any idea what. The you ever tried to? You ever? You ever not say the pledge? You, you ever? Were you ever that guy? <laughs> like not my country. <laughs> you ever do that? Yeah, like yeah, mumble it and stuff. And yeah, like, <laughs> I was very anti-authoritative. Mm. Any any way that I could kind of like get around authority, that was that was the shit. Did you get in trouble? I don't think so. I don't mm. think I really give a shit. Do you take steroids? No. Great question. What the fuck? <laughs> Why not, bro? I'll take steroids when I'm like, you know, old. I would You're say I would say I, I would do everything that I could. Uh, my suggestion with steroids, which again is out of my depth of place to really have a strong opinion on. Although maybe I guess I have, I, you know. I love guys stuff. like you that pretend to know nothing about it. It's awesome. No, no, no. It's not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying my suggestion to other people, like providing some type of advice. Like I'm kind of like, eh. but if I were, if there was a gun held in my head, I had to have advice for that. I would say exhaust all of the natural low hanging fruit that you have access to. Like make sure like stress is good. Make sure like checking the diet. Make sure you're getting enough sunlight. Make sure like all like all the things. You might not need it. You might not need it. Yeah, and right. but the, but the, the the only qualm that I would really have is when a person's like, you know, eating like an asshole and just mm. living like a turd. 
and now they're injecting themselves with exogenous hormones because they feel like they're you know they got their their levels checked with whoever and it's yeah. becoming like a trend you know and they it's a big the problem like a lot of young people are taking them way too early well, and uh they're, they're not they're not to be trifled with this is not something that you just uh you know i would i would say that you uh shit like if you did a cycle or two or something like that it's probably not a huge deal probably not it's probably not a huge deal i know a lot of people that have and they don't have any and i don't i don't think that steroids are i don't think that steroids are super dangerous i think that they can be super dangerous because they can be addictive and i think the other thing you need to pay attention to is that um whenever you decide to do them uh you are only getting the benefits from them while you're doing them mm. when that discontinues you don't have hardly any of that left and on top of that what people probably don't understand is that you will be a worse version of yourself after you utilize steroids and try to come off of them yeah that's tough you might be able to get yourself back and you might be able to get yourself back to another level but it will take a really long time and it would take a really big toll on your uh, your the mental side of things is that because a lot of the gains that you're getting is it like i don't know i, I need mike Isratol here is it like sarcoplasmic hypertrophy compared to myofibrillar or something or is it some mm. water thing like how would this structure of this big jacked muscle shift so quickly fuck man um <laughs> I, I you know what i don't I don't even know if we truly know what steroids do uh, at the moment. I think there's still so much more to investigate. Somebody's like, you know, everyone's always talking about their, their testosterone levels, but testosterone levels are just a small kind of fragment of the entire piece of the puzzle. And the cool thing about today's times is that uh, you don't really need steroids. Like you can do a lot of performance enhancement yeah, uh, peptides. without steroids and you can have peptides you may even go down the rabbit hole of like a little bit of growth hormone. Like there's a lot of other things uh, that you can kind of dabble with that, you know, I, I never want to tell people like that shit's safe. You don't, we don't really know uh, on some, on what some of these things do. We think that peptides are like completely harmless, but yeah. we, the, the verdict is still out. These things are still, they're still fairly new, but the thing to really consider with steroids and the reason why, you should be very considerate and really think about it and research it a bunch yourself is that you might end up being on them for life. Mm -hmm. You might end up being on them, maybe not necessarily for life, but it might be something that you're going to have a hard time uh, dismissing from your life because of the strength that it gives you because of the uh, muscularity that it might give you. Um, for myself in my powerlifting career, you know, I took, I took large, what I would say, large dosages of uh, performance-enhancing drugs, anabolic steroids, uh, everything from testosterone to DECA to TREN. People have heard a lot of stuff about TREN. Uh, Anavar, Anadrol, Dianabol, all these things, Ecopoise. Um, for me, for me, there was no, there was, there was a, uh, there was no reason not to try to be as strong as possible mm -hmm. and, and any, anything, uh, shy of, uh, uh, anything that would prevent me or hold me back from being stronger to me was just like an excuse. So like, uh, when I was, tw when I, well, 
when I was, uh, I was 25 is when I went on and that was originally for, I was at the time I was doing professional wrestling. I wrestled, uh, in a league in uh, Southern California with John Cena, uh, my brother and I, my brothers and I, uh, my oldest brother, Mike, um, actually used to coach John Cena and my, me and my brother, Chris, uh, talked John Cena into going to wrestling practice and John was like a bodybuilder. Um, but that's that, cool. that's what I was doing a long time ago is, is I was doing professional wrestling and to try to keep up with a lot of the guys that I was around, a lot of the guys that I saw. I'm six foot if I'm lucky, as my wife points out in the movie Bigger, Stronger, Faster. Six two in heels. Six two. Yeah. How do you know? Not bad. Respect. And uh, so, I, you know, I was just trying to basically, I guess you'd say, like, keep up. And maybe comparison is, uh, you know, maybe not the best place to start your steroid journey in. But that's kind of where mine began. And then as I shifted away from wrestling and went uh, and trained at Westside Barbell and all that, it's like, it's just a huge part of the culture, a huge part of the culture of powerlifting. People may not understand or recognize that in powerlifting and in bodybuilding, they're not even drug tested. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care that you take those things. Uh, no one really talks about it uh, a ton, maybe competitor to competitor, maybe. It almost makes it mandatory at that point then, in a way. It, well, it if is. If you want to win. It's a mandatory it's a mandatory requirement, especially for something like uh, the Mr. Olympia yeah. competition, you know? And so, yeah, for me, it was like, there was no, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a decision I was worried about. I was excited about it. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be great. Be I get to hero. add, I get to, well, I get to add another thing to my training that's going to help. Yeah. Just like uh, when I would put a band on the side of the bar or uh, when I would uh, learn a new squat technique or I'd learn a new bench press. It wasn't any different than any of that to me. Uh, learning how to wrap my wrist a little differently or learning how to do something at a slightly different angle so I could lift a little bit more weight. You know, these are things I obsessed over. And now I have a tool, a supplement that I can take that is going to make the, the uh, training a little easier and it's going to um, it's going to exponentially increase everything that I'm doing and everything I'm working for. It sounds fucking awesome. Is there a camp of people that would be like, you're an idiot to not take steroids? Not if you're a professional athlete, but just like if you're like a, an accountant and you just whatever. It's like, bro, you know, there's such a thing as steroids. Like, is there is there a camp of people? It's like a like, why would a person not? Or are the reper potential health repercussions repercussions and ramifications? generally broadly speaking like something to really look at i think all drugs kind of fall into a category if they can take you to a place you otherwise couldn't get to mm -hmm. uh, whether it's alcohol or weed or um, mushrooms or lsd or whatever it is steroids would fall into that category as well mm -hmm. they're going to take you somewhere that you otherwise couldn't quite get to and so I think a statement like that to say like you're an idiot to not take them. Um, it's, it's a little overboard uh, just due to the fact that I think that with any drug uh, you should be sensitive to, it could get into the wrong hands. It can end up with the wrong person. Yeah. And if it's not with the right person um, it can have really catastrophic effects. Uh, somebody that maybe has anger issues and someone who's like 18, 19 years old fucking a man like please don't <laughs> you're not gonna listen to me anyway you already made your decision but steroids you know would 
it would just be a bad idea. I mean, wait till you're more developed, mm -hmm. you know, wait till your brain's more developed. Wait, wait until you figure out some of your anger issues and stuff and you have actual solutions to them. Mm -hmm. The steroids might actually make you feel better in some ways. And it sounds it, like it's almost like getting a tattoo. Yeah. It's like maybe wait till you're like in your thirties, you know, to even like reflect mm -hmm. on the, on the question, you know, because it's going to be, like you said, like perhaps something that is going to be like a marriage in a way. So I mean like this, this might actually be a lifetime mm -hmm. commitment. And looking at it from that lens might be a, um, yeah, it could be a, like a, maybe like there could be some wisdom in that type of perspective. For me, you know, I was on, you know, large dosages for years and years. And then nowadays, um, you know, people believe whatever they want, but I am on like legitimate, like a TRT dosage. Mm -hmm. um, I did just get, I what did is that dosage? just get some blood work back. And I, I don't know the, I don't know what my testosterone looks like uh, in the latest um, blood work that I got, but a lot of times my blood, my uh, testosterone is like 800, 900, sometimes a thousand, sometimes 1200. Yeah. It's somewhere in those neighborhoods. That's where mine, mine kind of flows. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like I, I'm not by any means, uh, claiming to be natty, but my testosterone levels and my free testosterone levels usually show that I'm in a normal ish range. Every once in a while, uh, it might be in like the high normal range, which is what I think you want to I think it's the whole point of TRT is to get into like a high normal range. I don't think the point of TRT in my opinion is just to get yourself to like uh, the low end of normal. I think you want to be a little bit more on the high end of normal because I do think that there's actual um, some health benefits, some confidence boosting uh, testosterone is awesome in a lot of ways. And it makes a lot of the efforts that you put in uh, feel even better. Uh, when you go to do like a set of something, you're doing like pull-ups or something and you do a set of like five and I don't know, maybe you're already getting fatigued at five or something like that. And when you're on testosterone, your body is like, fuck yeah, like go for it, dude. Like this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like this is what you're. You have a competitive edge. Yeah. This is kind of what you're here for. It's almost as if you just saw your friend do a couple extra reps in front of you. That's kind of what it feels like. Or. Someone even just started to encourage you while you're going, you know, if you're like, if you're ever to like hit a heavy bag and then someone's like, yo, come on, Aaron, you know, fucking smash up. Like, you're going to pick it up a little bit. Your hands are going to be close to your face. You're going to throw a punch a little harder because now, you know, somebody's uh, watching, somebody's encouraging. That's kind of what testosterone uh, feels like. Mm. And I, I do think that, uh, especially here in the United States, I do think that people need to consider it more uh, as a, um, like a therapeutic, um, a therapeutic drug for people that have depression for sure, people that, for people that, uh, just don't feel good about themselves. I, I think that you would want to take it and you would want to like lift and exercise as well. Yeah. But I remember years ago, um, Somebody wrote on my YouTube channel, which I don't check comments anymore. This is like a decade ago. Uh, somebody said, hey, you know, kind of like um, it's easier for you to be motivated because you're on steroids. And I was my first reaction was like to be kind of mad. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there I was like, holy shit, like they're. <laughs> They're right. So I wrote back to the guy and I said, um, 
I said, hey, that's actually really great that you really point. Ins- insightful. Yeah, that's really great that you pointed that out. I'm going to share that with people that it, it can be a great motivator. <laughs> and then I just wrote, I said. Uh, the guy's like, fuck. Yeah, well, I wrote, and I also, got me. I said something like, to each, to each their own, you know. I said, maybe uh, maybe one day, and I was kidding, but I was like, maybe one day you'll be smart enough to take steroids. Yeah. Just like me. There's a, um, I was listening to the Human Podcast recently, did an episode Name, yeah. on, on, on uh, ketamine, and uh, he was actually here in town. Well, I think he, he left uh, yesterday, but he, he was. Wow, he wanted, why do what, you know his, like, itinerary and schedule? What, uh, this is weird. One of, the, one of the things that he had mentioned in that that I thought was interesting was something that he heard from one of his, like, professors or something, but it was, uh, the idea of like better living through chemistry, which is kind mm. of like a like a psychedelic thing, using LSD or whatever. Uh, but better living through chemistry also necessitates better living, right? So to have better living through mm-hmm. chemistry, you also have to actually engage in better living, right? Or else you're just fucking yourself. You're just you're just having a trip. And yeah. so I think with a similar thing, so if you could use something like that as a, a lever or a tool to get you from point A to point B, mm-hmm. ideally you're using that as somewhat of like a like a thin end, end of a wedge or a lever device to get you into that position of actually doing the things. But if you're not actually doing the things, then I, th- I think all of this biohack, science, chemistry, you know, shortcut, all that stuff, it's all bullshit, mm. I think. That might be too absolute and broad of a statement. but No, I like what you're saying there. And I think like, uh, you know, biochemistry and, and some of the things that your body can actually do uh, when you're sending it the correct messages. You know, I think that we we lose sight of like our workouts are really just inputs. And again, we don't need these long 90 minute, two hour workouts. Those are those can be fun. And for people that really enjoy that, that's great. Uh, but for your average person. They just need to kind of think about like, how can I go, where can I go or what can I do to give myself a good input? They say resistance training is really great for you. Like, well, what does that mean? What, what could I do that would look like that? And there's a many different options. You don't have to necessarily uh, squat and bench and do lunges and step ups and all these different things. Um, You might be able to get away with a minimum effective dose if you haven't really messed around with much lifting before you might be able to purchase like something like a trap bar and maybe you purchase like a kettlebell and maybe every third day you load the uh, trap bar up you do a couple deadlifts with it and then we're done with that uh, maybe you take it on a little stroll and you do like a farmer's carry yeah. then maybe two or three days later you mess around with your kettlebell and you do some swings and you um, youtube some stuff and you start to look at it and in between those days they don't have to be days off maybe you're jumping some rope um, but now it's like, okay, we're, we're working the muscles. We're getting in positions that you weren't getting in before. So we're working on flexibility. Uh, we're working a little bit of conditioning by doing some of the jump rope and we're working on bone density by, you know, picking up that weight and, uh, carrying it around. Yeah. Last question. You think, uh, you could take Bradley Martin in a fight, <laughs> you know, Bradley <laughs> Martin, um, he has been, uh, He's been very confident, hasn't he? <laughs> right? He's been like talking with some of the best fighters in the world. Yeah. Like, yeah, bro, I, I could fuck you up. And I'm I'm curious. I'm like Like if I got if I got really mad. You yeah, know, we're in the streets, I'll fuck you up. Yeah, I'm curious like curious like uh if he's like playing dumb or something, you know what I mean? Because he he's he's done jujitsu and stuff before. Like he kind he kinda knows. Like I do understand that like 
he's talking about like uh, going at it with like Demetrius Johnson and Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse Johnson, one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, is a much smaller framed person. I think he weighs like one fifty or something like that. And Bradley Martin is a gargantuan person. He's he's probably about your size, maybe like even a, a little more jacked. Maybe even a little heavier, right? He might be like gotta two, be heavier. He might be a two fifty or something, yeah, right? Heavy, heavy. What do you think and maybe he's a little shorter though. You're you're closing in on six five, right? Yeah. He's, he's he's denser human than I am. Yeah. For sure. He's very athletic. He's very strong. Um, I'm sure he can kick some ass, but he's talking with like Nate Diaz. And you're like, Nate Diaz is like just an assassin. Yeah. I love how Nate Diaz was like, you're a podcaster. You're a podcaster, bro. Like, what are you, (laughs) yeah, what are you talking about? Uh, False confidence. No, I I can't kick Bradley Martin's ass or anybody else's. um, All right. This whole conversation was really just a lead up to that question. I'm just going to fucking run away. Fucking loser, bro. And then even then, he'd probably catch me because it's actually pretty fast, too, probably. Great stride. Son of a bitch. Yep. I got nothing. I really appreciate you, man. This is fun. Thank you. It was a good time. I'm glad that, uh, yeah, I feel like like uh, the last, the original meetup was coming out to your place in Sacramento like seven odd years ago or whatever it was. And um, I really enjoyed getting to uh, learn from you from afar and now a bit closer and just like seeing you. You're like a real, you're turning into, I believe, like a real, this might be kind of a little new agey out there concept but like an elder i think like you, you're like a, a person that represents that in culture particularly in this like odd kind of confusing social media space fuck man i just got so old i'm an elder yeah you are yeah i think so elderly I'm not elderly no elder elder like someone to follow that's mm. that's not you know 25 and yeah like jake paul you know and jake right. paul has a lot of wisdom as well i think he's actually a really great person um name drop but the i, th- I think that having people that is are, he here Jake Paul coming in. It's <laughs> coming in. Could you think you'd take Jake Paul? You know, it'd be great if it's like you had that Bradley Martin question and I'm yeah. like, yeah, I and, then <laughs> and, then, and be like, that's great that you mentioned that Mark uh, Bradley. Why don't you come on in here? But having people that are actually like, yeah, like people that have more time in their bodies, you know, they're 40, 50, mm. 60 plus, And they're still engaged. Like right. they're still with it. They're like still a part of the conversations and they actually have, that wisdom that can only manifest as a product of being here for, you know, more than a few decades. Cause there's something about time mm-hmm. that affects a person in a way that someone that's younger, like myself, probably just, I won't understand until I'm, you know, 46 instead of 36, I presume. Well, I mentioned earlier, you know, how I'm, uh, a big proponent of looking at, you know, I, I'm not too hippie or too, uh, woo woo, but, uh, I guess I am to a certain degree, you know, there's in most opportunities, there's an opportunity to find love or to find, uh, someone tries to hurt you. Someone says something to you that doesn't sit well, they hurt your feelings or whatever. Um, there's an opportunity for forgiveness. There's an opportunity to say, you know, maybe I don't know, man, maybe something's going on in their life or maybe I did do that person wrong. Maybe I, you know, review the stuff you said to them. Maybe you said something weird or said something that uh, didn't sit well with them. And I think it's good to, you know, have have that kind of perspective. And I also think that, you know, in, in my life, the way that I was able to come to some of these realizations um, is through time. Uh, and I think that time is a way that you show love as well. And so I love doing podcasts like this where you're, you're actually uh, in person, um, 
we could occasionally do a remote one or something like that, but it's just, it's not the same. You yeah. know, when I get to see you, I get to see the gym that you're training at. Um, I see who you're hanging out with. I see, I see your face. I see your expressions. I see how you're doing, how you look physically and all these things. Um, they're all really important to me. I think it's, uh, it's like an important piece of the puzzle that we can't lose sight of just because we have phones and we have this technology to communicate with each other in so many different ways now, which is yeah. much quicker. Fucking awesome. Fast food, fast fashion, fast, 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 efficient, efficient. I'm busy. I got a lot of shit going on. I got How can we get more efficient? Mm. It's like, well, I'm also depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Comma. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, amazing to be able to spend time with people and, uh, I have a little a little tiny uh, rock that is in my drawer that's uh, next to my bed. And on one side, it says T-I-M-E. And on the other side, it says love. Mm. And I got that rock for my daughter. She made that for me, um, I think, when she was like f uh, probably five or so, five or six. Because uh, she was in school when she made it. And she, um, because I have told her before, I said, the way that we show that we love each other in this family, the way that we spell love is T-I-M-E. Mm. We spend time with each other. Quality time. Yeah, we spend time with each other. We think about, you know, we spend time thinking about the other person, uh, you know, uh, maybe buying them something or, um, you know, hopefully it's not, hopefully that's not only where your mind goes. Hopefully you can kind of be more creative than just that, um, making something for somebody, just thinking them in some way or spending good quality time with them. Uh, in something that they really love to do. So uh, I wouldn't have been able to learn any of this if I if I didn't push into the things that I really loved and push into. I think that's why I feel uh, I want to continue to share with people and I want to continue to grow and expand as a person because uh, I have felt so fortunate. I became wealthy at a young age and I was able to go out and explore and do my own learning you know when i was in school it's interesting because i love education so like i love learning so much i love education so much but i fucking hated school mm -hmm. uh i but i didn't really understand that like you can't get anywhere doing anything unless you um unless you learn about some sort of particular thing or skill yeah. i didn't i didn't really know that i was like fuck school I, I don't fit in, uh, you know, I'm dumb, I'm in the slower classes, uh, people make fun of me for it, and I just, I despised it. I know there's other people out there listening that can kind of relate. Maybe I had ADHD, or I don't know what the hell was going on, but... Erectile dysfunction. I had ED, and they didn't know how to treat it. Yeah. Because um, all the teachers, they were trying to jerk me off, and it wasn't working. <laughs> I almost hooked up with my gym teacher. Wow. Yeah. He Bruce? Was, I mean, he was he was cool. That's good. Yeah, you could have had him, bro. No, she, 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 she like took me out in the hall, in uh, whatever grade. I'm not gonna say which grade because it could be somehow incriminating. Um, but she actually took me out in the hall, and it was it was kind of it was kind of rat. She's like she's like Aaron. I think we have like this is when I was I appeared as though I did steroids as a teenager. You know, I was like I was like very fit, uh, looked very adult like. And uh, yeah, took me out, and she's like, you know, I think we have a really strong connection. I think we should stay in contact. Wow, it was hot. What happened? Nothing. I didn't do anything with it. I wish I did. In retrospect, is that wrong? Does that make me sick? Did you say something like talk her out of it? I was just very polite. 
I was like, yeah, no, I think you're sweet too. You know, she was a little like great body. I wasn't that attracted to her face. Oh. Great body, young. You late, beat late off 20s. to that situation a lot though. I like the fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's a good thing then. <laughs> you know, you get to keep you get to keep that mem- memory rather than like yeah. You could have tainted it, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we should probably wrap this thing up. Yeah, I got nothing left. Put, put a bow on it. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more that can be said. Pretty much that's yeah. Once you once I divulge the gym teacher pedophilia story, it's pretty much we just we just wrap mm-hmm. it up. That's usually how it goes. It's not the first time this has happened. I love it, man. Uh, thank you for uh, what's the name of this gym again? Squatch in Austin, Texas. Squatch. Squatch, Squatch is dope. Squatch is cool. Is I, th- I thought you'd like it. Mixture of squatting and Sasquatch thing. <sighs> Squatch? Yeah, they they do like a little little thing like that. They got like squatch guys around. It's a thing. It's nice. Good owners, good people, good vibe. Yeah, here and on it. On it gym in Austin and Squatch, I think are my two favorite places. They're very different personalities. On it's like the much cleaner, um, you know, it's like more kind of like influential kind of vibe, which also feels really good. Great for IG and all the things. And then Squatch is like an outdoor gym. So if anybody's traveling through Austin, Texas, I, I really highly recommend it. They got a cold plunge, sauna. It's a whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, where should people go if they want to go deeper into your stuff? They should just go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. I don't need any more people bothering me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mark Smelly Bell. That's the name on Instagram. There you yeah. Um, fully recovered from erectile dysfunction. No, I think I'll be battling it <laughs> for a long time. But the dysfunction, you know, it actually came in right around the time. I think right around the time I met you. So I don't know. Uh, I wore Chris Williamson's underwear yesterday to play pickleball. I haven't felt the same. Was sense. that the crotch itch? <laughs> the, <laughs> maybe. All right. Thank you, Mark Bell. I feel like I feel. Like, I feel like I think Chris Williamson wears panties, right? Dude, they were a little tight. Like they're not regular underwear. No, they were a little tight. His uh, his underwear are like thirty bucks each. I think they were. Yeah, I, they, I mean, it felt you know good fabric. They were snug. Yeah, on in the front and the back. Yeah, like it felt like panties. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't expecting him to ride that way, but it, that sounds great. Dude, that's how he rides. Mm. Spread sp- spread the word. I saw yesterday. You know, he he did have his eyes kind of squinty, and it's probably because underwear a little too tight. Yeah, strong brow that guy. He needs to like, you know, get a looser pair, <laughs> so he's not all restricted and everything down there. Can't be having all this going on, right? Yeah, a lot of tension. Yeah. All right. Well, good talk, man. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>